0: The whole world
1: is looking for the next Iron Man.
0: I don't know if I can live up to that. I don't think Tony would have done what he did if he didn't know that you were going to be here after he was gone.
2: We have a job to do. You're coming, with. Us?
1: Can you give that to MJ in case something happens to me?
2: Nothing's going to happen to you. You got this. Stark made you an Avenger. The world needs that.
3: Episode 291.
0: There's already like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and it's all that makes us happy like shooting at a wall, Brad.
1: But it's all been done
0: before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps dropped by the poor kids. It,
1: it, it's a trap.
0: Good to toss it, good take. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. It like in breaks the Tupperware parties. Culture cultures spill over like a vulture. Carryover, counterculture, pushed over Pop culture. Leftovers. And the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Leftovers. sure that the only talent is the band that's singing. this hot culture. Leftovers.
1: You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one.
4: Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake, and we're the Leftovers. I didn't even say it. (laughs) I know, I can tell. I was thinking about my next thing that I was going to say. And See, I, <laughs> man, it's easy to get distracted in that opening. That's the first time I've ever done that, I think. I think it's the first time I've ever done that. I did.
1: think one time you did it straight up on purpose. <laughs>
4: Probably. Probably, probably to teach you a lesson. Guys, we are talking about Spider-Man Far From Home. This has been a long time coming. Uh, it's the follow-up to uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, we are not alone. Uh, we are joined by longtime listener from the Shutterbugs podcast. Uh, he's also at Finn Aiden on Instagram if you want to check out his, uh, toy photos where he poses action figures of superheroes and very cool poses not only action uh, superheroes but uh, dragon ball z and pokemon and stuff like that but uh, at Finn aiden on instagram we are joined by Finn deets creek welcome Finn.
3: dude thank you so much for having me what an intro i appreciate that like sometimes i forget all the stuff that i like end up doing and then you remind me i'm like oh yeah <laughs> i should pl- i should plug that shouldn't i <laughs> it was too it you. was two things finn that's <laughs> too, too many, it's man. It's
4: <laughs> not like it was a huge laundry list there, you know what I mean? But uh Aww. yeah, I, I'm happy to plug you because uh, you do some great shit, man. You do some really good stuff. So uh always happy to have you on the podcast. But try to get you on for a Spider-Man episode. Wanted to get you on Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Things didn't work out schedule-wise. So we are thrilled. We are pleased as punch to have
3: you on for Spider-Man wow. Far From Home, dude wow pleased as punch that's great thank you i'm so excited to be here i love spider-man um about as much as i love breathing so i'm really excited to talk to you guys about it i'm oh, very excited
4: yeah breathing it doesn't seem like it's an important thing until you can't do it yeah yeah I'm the truth mm-hmm.
3: and it's until not, you start notice how you yeah. breathe then and, you're like oh man like it's really hard to breathe yeah have you ever
4: noticed have you ever no- okay here's the thing if you're not breathing It's not like you're thinking about anything else it's not like you're thinking about uh i mentioned laundry earlier it's not like you're thinking about laundry or like you know mowing the lawn you're thinking about i gotta get that next breath of air uh the other thing uh (laughs) with uh breathing you ever you ever like think you're breathing
3: too loud a room's really quiet and you think you're breathing too loud Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh yeah oh man dude i have i have friends that are like you're like sitting next to them in, like a meeting or something mm-hmm. and they'll just be like breathing so heavily and yeah. you're like i'm like dude you gotta be, be quiet like is it, like your allergies and I'm, like what no I, f- I feel fine and i'm like okay and then just go like right in your ear oh yeah the worst yeah yeah knock it off people Well, anyway we're here to
4: talk about spider-man far from home uh we are going to be jumping directly into spoilers here so i'm going to give you the spoiler warning right off the bat for the show
0: this is a pop culture leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls the spoilers straight e- in your You have been warned, spoiler
4: pussies. All right, stick around, uh, because later I'll be talking about how I believe this movie possibly teased the Fantastic Four and also possibly the next big event for the MCU. So can't wait to talk about that. So you got to stick around, and uh, we'll talk about that later on in the podcast. Uh, How many times have you guys seen the movie? I've seen the movie three times now, saw it in IMAX, saw it in IMAX 3D, and then watched it again today in real
1: 3D. Uh, I saw it twice, Um, both times just in regular IMAX.
3: Um, I just saw it once at my local Regal Theater that has no fancy 3D stuff, so I just got to watch it one time opening night, which is like a couple days ago, just by myself with some pals. And I wish I watched it again, but, you know, finances, so I've only seen it once. Yeah,
4: I understand. Regal's going to be getting that kind
3: of like that AMC uh, movie A-list, that uh, movie pass thing yeah i'm so excited because i actually used movie pass for a while for, like mm. that whole summer where everyone was using it and then it like took a crap on everyone yeah like, i was really into it and then everyone had amcs or like, cinema or whatever and i was like i don't have anything near me but now i finally do so i'm excited Yeah, cinema went out of business
4: and movie pass is uh saying they're gone for a couple weeks which we'll see if they come back the rumor is that i'm hearing <laughs> is after this break they're not going to be coming back so we'll see what happens there um yeah, so uh, Spider-Man Far From Home is the sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, it's the 23rd film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, also, this is the final movie in Phase 3 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, the synopsis for Spider-Man Far From Home, following the events of Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man must step up to take on new threats in a world that has changed forever. The movie is directed by John Watts. He directed Homecoming. Uh, he also directed a little movie called Cop Car uh, with Kevin Bacon. John Watts actually sat down with Sci-Fi Magazine, and he said this about Far From Home. I think it's very fitting for the movie that we saw. The last movie is about a kid who feels like he's ready. He's ready to prove himself, and the world is telling him, no, you're not ready to step up. And that somewhat drives the first movie. It was Peter trying to prove himself to Tony and to the world. Now the second movie is about the world telling him that it's time to step up, and him now suddenly realizing that he may not be as ready as he thought he was. I think that's I think that's very fitting for this movie. We're going to break it down and unpack it, but I, I I think that John Watts it feels like this guy has really grown as a director for me, Jake. I, I feel like. In the first one, you've got John Watts, relatively new director. You've got this relatively new actor in Tom Holland. And I felt like they put together a good movie. Uh, but I think, like, now I think John Watts, after having one movie, one big movie under his belt, is a little bit more comfortable in this universe. And I, I really felt like that uh, watching this movie.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I could kind of see how that would be. I mean, it's, you know, such a big franchise, and you know, he's so responsible for such a huge character that it's good to know that he kind of had those character thematic evolution visions going from movie one to movie two. Like, Mm -hmm. without kind of that kind of outline in your head, you know, it's hard to really get to point C. Exactly.
4: Uh, This movie's uh, written by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers. Uh, It is based on the comics, of course, by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. It's produced by Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal. Uh, stars Tom Holland as Peter Parker, Spider-Man, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Zendaya as Michelle, Kobe Smulders as Maria Hill. We've got John Favreau as Happy Hogan. Uh, J.B. Smoove as Julius Dell. Um, he's Parker's teacher and a chaperone on his high school trip to Europe. Uh, the role was written for Smoove after the producer's And uh, the writers and director enjoyed his performance alongside Holland in an Audi commercial short film produced to promote Homecoming. I think that that was kind of crazy that he started off in an Audi car commercial promoting Homecoming. They liked him so much they brought him into Far From Home.
1: Jeez, what a lucky break for (laughs) J.B. Smooth, right? I mean easily the biggest movie he's ever been in and just from, you know, performing well in a car commercial.
4: Yeah. I, he's a great guy. I loved him on Curb, man. He was so good oh, on Curb. Oh, yeah. Uh, we got Jacob Batalon back as Ned Leeds, Martin Starr as uh, Mr. Harrington, uh, Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. Does anybody call her uh, Marissa... What is it, What was I going to say? A- oh, they should call her Aunt Tomei.
1: Does anybody <laughs> do that? Hmm... Yeah, that seems like a natural.
4: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal as uh, Mysterio uh, found out that the producer said his suit was modeled after Iron Man, Thor, and Doctor Strange. And I definitely kind of saw the influence of all those characters in that suit
1: that we saw in this movie. Mm, I agree with that. That's interesting character design.
4: And I heard that it was also reported, I don't know how true this is, uh, maybe this will come out later, but it was also reported that Matt Damon actually turned down the role of Mysterio first.
1: Hmm, I I believe it. He doesn't seem like the type that would be gung-ho for this type of thing.
4: Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, the only thing I remember him being in was Deadpool 2, where he played one of the rednecks at the back of the pickup truck talking about the baby wipes wiping their butts. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I can see him being more game to do a goofy, jokey cameo like that. Yeah. than to actually like be the action figure character. Oh,
4: that was great. The only, the only thing that could have made that scene better for me, cause it was Alan Tudyk in that as well. If it would have been Tyler, the bean and Adam Tudyk and they were reprising the roles of uh, Tucker and Dale. From, oh uh, that would have been a funny strike. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man far from home has a runtime of two hours and nine minutes and an estimated budget of $160 million. We are now going to rate the film. If this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system.
0: The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets to the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party.
4: All right, so we are actually going to start with our guest, Mr. Finn Deeds Creek. Finn, first I want to know what you thought of Homecoming, what your rating was for Homecoming, and then I want you to jump into your thoughts, and I guess mostly non spoiler you can get into some spoiler territory since I did give the warning at the beginning of the episode, but what what are your thoughts on Homecoming and then move into Far From Home?
3: Cool. Um when I ever heard you guys is, I so Homecoming came like like well like 2 years ago and yeah. out of the theater I was automatically like with most Spider-Man stuff. I was like, "Oh, this is so great." Then I thought about it. I really liked it, but I definitely did not think it touched like the Raimi trilogy of for enjoyment for me at least. I definitely thought it was better than the Garfield movies. I, I really liked it. I gave it, like, probably a taste it, maybe high taste it, but it's just become, like, a movie I've rewatched so much just because of how easily enjoyable it is. Like, it's so funny, and it's so easy to just turn on and just sit down and just do something else while you're watching it or just enjoy it. I've seen it probably more than most movies in the MCU, which has really bumped up my rating to a, to a Tupperware, probably. Uh, I really enjoy Homecoming from now. And so then, kind of going into this movie, I was really hoping that it would be able to... F- in, like, those shoes, like, it had big shoes to fill. I was hoping they would be able to meet the standards that I thought Homecoming had set. And then I, and then I signed into the Spider Verse and I fell in love. It's probably my probably my favorite comic book movie of all time. So, going to this one, I was really excited, really nervous, but I was pleasantly surprised. I give this one a Tupperware. It was hard for me to rate this one because I was bordering on a high tasted Tupperware because there were just some things about it. I just didn't think it was as funny, which obviously it doesn't need to be a comedy, but I just didn't think that it had as many good jokes as Homecoming did. Um, and I, th- I don't know, some of the fake outs at the end, or I, I don't want to get this huge spoilers, but some of the Nick Fury stuff I was meh on. Um, and then the fact that the first end credit scene was probably my favorite scene in the whole movie was like, I don't know if that's a detractor or a positive, but, um, just thinking about it more and more, I really did enjoy it. I thought the villain was incredible, and I just, I really liked it. There you go. Yeah. Um, I, before I get into my rating here in a little
4: bit, I am gonna kind of echo your opinion on this movie not being as funny as the first one. I, I agree with you and I think it's probably it had some, when the jokes hit, they really hit. but I mm-hmm. do feel like this is probably one of the least funny Marvel Cinematic Universe movies that I've seen to date. As far as the jokes are concerned, yeah,
3: I think it's like less forcibly funny. Where you watch like a Thor or not Thor Ragnarok, you watch like the first Thor. You watch like a movie, just a a standard MCU movie, and it's like, oh, these are definitely MCU jokes. I thought that the jokes, like you said, the jokes really hit here. I, I don't know. I just thought it was it felt more serious than Homecoming. Mm. Um, but it still does not meet my favorite joke. I think in any MCU movie ever, which is from Homecoming, where. It's the guy in the ground, and he goes, you're that spider guy. And he goes, okay, Spider-Man, do a flip. And he flips, and he goes, yeah. That's, I think that's still my favorite bit in any MCU Like, I, I just wait for it. Me and my seven-year-old brother quote it to each other all the time. So, like, it's less silly than Homecoming, but it does have some good jokes. Yeah. be honest. Yeah. I, let me
4: ask you this question. I'm going to ask this to you, Jake, as well, before we get into your rating. um, Here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like they're taking and maybe this is too premature do you feel like they're taking kind of like the the harry potter approach where the stories are getting a little bit darker and and maybe less funny as the story progresses and maybe even as i'm saying this i'm not even 100 percent agreeing with that because i felt like the vulture took the first movie pretty dark um but jake what are you thinking man
1: yeah i mean that's an interesting question i guess i don't think that that's what's going on here at least uh, right away or very intentionally i i also agree that this movie was not very funny um but i disagree that it didn't try like i thought it was a bit cringy with some of the jokes not landing honestly i thought the is it star is that the guy who plays the like main teacher chaperone character a lot lot of martin star martin star i thought a lot of his comic beats were really cringy and forced and never funny. And so, I mean, I get what you're saying with the Harry Potter comparison, but it's not like they, the jokes were absent or they tried to do more mature jokes. Mm-hmm. I just thought the jokes didn't land. Yeah.
4: Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, really I think that I, at all. I think that's kind of like what I mean by not funny. Like I, I see what you're saying. Like it's not that they didn't attempt them. It's just that it, I didn't have the belly laughs like I do when I watch Guardians of the Galaxy, or if I watch Infinity War, or if I'm watching Endgame. Like, and and I, I honestly, I think like the Guardians of the Galaxy films and Infinity War, in my opinion. Oh, and and the first Iron Man are, are the funniest in in the MCU, in my opinion. Oh, and yeah. uh, and Thor Ragnarok. Ragnarok, yeah, Thor Ragnarok.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. When I think the funniest movies, I think Ragnarok, I think the two Guardians movies, I think Avengers 1.
4: But, I mean, these necessarily aren't comedies, but that's something that we've come to expect from Marvel is, you know, so... Yeah,
1: and and it's it's assuredly from a Spider-Man movie, in my opinion. Yes! I, I don't, um, I agree, like, if it's the Harry Potter thing, that's cool, but, like, like I was kind of saying earlier, like by the time you get to Harry Potter five, Order of the Phoenix, it's the jokes aren't even like there or really yeah. trying to be that heavy, you know. Mm-hmm. So that it wasn't the case here. I, can I go ahead and rate this thing? Uh, yeah, if you want to go ahead and rate it. Oh man, I, I taste this movie. I, I I couldn't believe when you guys were talking. My number one note in bold was maybe the least funny Marvel movie.
5: Mm-hmm. Like
1: I was really surprised by that. Like I. The first time I saw it, I was like, oh, "All right, maybe I'm just like being a sad sack or something." But oof, like it played even worse when you see it a second time. Like this stuff did not make me laugh, and I I can't believe I'm saying this, but I I think the whole thing's kind of a little bit bogged down just by the MCU of it all. Um, I mean, the movie it's not a bad movie by any means, but I think the Samuel L. Jackson and you know, the Nick Fury, Agent Hill stuff kind of bogs down what. It makes it not feel as Spider Man y as it should, if that makes any sense. And um, even Mysterio, who, you know, I enjoyed. Uh, the character design was cool. I thought Jill and Hall's performance was fantastic. Like, he didn't do anything wrong. He took the direction and, you know, made some meat out of it for sure. But I was a little bit disappointed by just kind of the reveal. And at the end of the day, it almost like Peter fighting an Iron Man villain than a villain of his own making or doing or creation. Like there just was never that connection that I wanted between Peter and the main villain kind of. And that was a little bit frustrating and disappointing to me. And yeah, I don't know. I just, man, I wanted to like this movie a shit ton more than I did. I'll tell you that much. It it was just a middle of the road taste for me. I, I don't know that I belly laughed once. Um, I thought it worked best when it was just doing it's, peter being peter stuff and the stuff with like him and the zendaya mj character was pretty fantastic and but gosh anytime it was dealing with his teachers or dealing with his friend ned and even getting bogged down with a lot of the connecting it to mcu stuff i i kind of was a little bit bored through a lot of this
4: yeah i wonder like uh I, I yeah I will agree with you. It didn't feel like a one hundred percent Spider-Man film, but when like when we got Spider-Man moments like with MJ and stuff like that, it really worked well. In my opinion, it really worked yeah. well. Yeah,
1: yeah, that, and that's kind of what is I guess the most frustrating part about the whole endeavor to me is just like it's the pieces are there, like the the ingredients to make just one of the most fantastic Spider-Man movies seem to be there like tom holland is you know has such like a like a boyish charm like it's you buy into it like i never once am i like this isn't spider-man and yeah. that's what's taking me out of the movie you know yeah and so it's just mm-hmm. it's just weird that they just can't get this together right and i don't know i don't think they still don't really do a good job with spider-man himself being funny during action sequences yeah but that i don't know why they can't nail that
4: yeah yeah, I, I, no, I agree. Like, like it's not even close to Peter Parker in the comics as far as like his quips.
1: Yeah, and I hate to I be think- that nerd. I like, I hate to be like, oh, it's not close enough to the book. But it's,
4: I don't know, man. I just, I think they no, know. you're not. Like, you're letting other things. Like, and I'm not. When I say slide, I'm not saying like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll accept that. No, it's not. We're not getting like our traditional Mary Jane. And like that doesn't bother you one bit, neither does it bother me. I actually enjoy Zendaya's portrayal as MJ in these movies. I think she's fantastic. But
1: like Yeah, I agree with that. Even her even the, I think I enjoyed the character yeah. in the comic book version. Like oh, I think God, yeah. that character's upgraded.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I like what they've
4: done with Mary Jane in the past few years in the comic books, but it hasn't always been that way. And I, I'll I'll agree with you. Uh, I really love Zendaya. I think she's very uh witty and snarky. I love uh, I j- I really loved her and Peter their awkward flirting in this movie. I really enjoyed that. It felt very it felt very teenager to me. You know what I mean? Just like mm-hmm. awkward teens, you know. So, I I, I love that. Let me, I'll go ahead and and rate this one. Um I uh I like this more than Homecoming. Um, I, I loved Jake Gyllenhaal in this movie. I thought that he was great. Um, it was, I already talked about the humor. It didn't quite hit as some of the other Marvel's movie, Marvel movies do, in my opinion. Um, I'll give this one a high taste. It, uh, I, uh, I do under, I, I do feel your gripes as far as like this being an Iron Man villain and not a Spider-Man villain. And I think that that like, comes with his character, the way they've tied him so closely to Iron Man and the way that this is wrapping up phase three. Um, and then of course with Iron Man's death in Endgame. So, you know, uh, it, it's kind of like, at the detriment of an actual Spider-Man movie and oh man it's it feels like it feels like even if there is and we'll talk about the future I don't know necessarily if this is setting up a Sinister 6 movie I'm not going to co-sign that right now I feel like that's definitely on the horizon but I don't know how soon they're they're thinking about doing something like that but it feels like the Sinister 6 is being formed right now, even from homecoming because of the actions of the Avengers and Iron Man. And that's, I don't know. That's problematic for Spider-Man fans, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. It's an interesting approach. I I could see them doing it with maybe there's six characters. Like can't one of them be deeply connected into Spider-Man mythology and just that? Well, I mean, Jake, I
4: mean, we're not even getting a, a, uh, Peter Parker here. That's really that connected with Uncle Ben. Like we know that that happened, but because of the two previous Sony uh, takes on on the character, we're not getting any of that Uncle Ben stuff. We're we're getting oh, no. mentions. We're getting a suitcase. We're not. I mean, it's basically like with great power comes great responsibility. Is now. Tony, the Edith glasses, and that you know what I mean. So yeah,
1: the the dead guy that's going to give him advice is a hundred percent going to be Tony Stark, not Uncle Ben. If that kind right. of thing were to happen in, yeah. in future storytelling, it's I never really kind of thought of it just as like bare bones as that. But yeah, I, I guess that kind of slights me a little bit. I it's weird though because I, I do think the. um as far as like doing the aftermath of Tony being dead and Peter handling that, I thought that stuff was actually very well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more just everything being tied to the Avengers and Tony Stark. Like, I mean, one of my favorite scenes was kind of the the zombie Tony Stark scene, and I thought they they earned that scene, yeah. like in Peter's fear of that, like the, enough plot had happened that you really did feel the emotion and how like just terrible for peter to like see that kind of thing would have been and like that stuff i thought was really well done but then they just took it to the next level and just gave mysterio just no real base connection to peter parker or spider-man
4: yeah i the for, uh, the, the this the iron man zombie scene was a real cool nod to the uh Marvel Zombies comics, which I yeah I like very that. cool. Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say one last thing and then finish up my rating and we can start to unpack this some more because I'm I'm chomping at the bit and I know you guys are. <laughs> um, as far as the action in the third act, the emotional stakes in that action aren't the best I've ever seen in a Spider-Man movie, but the way that the action was presented. On Tower Bridge, whipping up and over and through and 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 all these drones. In when I saw it in real 3D and Jake, if you're going to see this IMAX 3D is it's not worth it. Just IMAX is fine. Oh, IMAX 3D okay. is not worth it. Uh, but real 3D for the third act action scene is 100 percent worth it because it is absolutely gorgeous. Um, it. I'm telling you, just, just that, that third act action scene is so amazing in real 3D. It's the best Spider-Man action that I've seen in a movie. I'm not saying action slash emotional stakes because I've seen like in the Maguire stuff where he's getting beat up during the action where it's like, you're, you're really feeling bad for this kid. But as far as just like straight action, it is fucking awesome in real 3D.
1: Yeah, I bet it, it, it just looked real dynamic. Uh, dynamic. I mean, with the drones, the one advantage is you have so many different like points of eye reference, and the, yeah. I can see how the three D could be really cool there with all the <laughs> flipping around and webbing and drones at different areas and like your eye line.
4: It was better than the actual like Mysterio, you know, uh, the Mysterio scenes where he was bringing, you know, he was putting him really? into that. Wor- yes, into. Th- I'm oh I'm 3D, yeah, in three d in three d it was it was better it it looked better and and I was like going into the movie watching it in real three d I was like, oh I can't wait for those mysterious scenes they're gonna look so amazing in three d and it was that third act action scene at Tower bridge where he's whipping around and going under the bridge over the bridge through the drones that just looked so good you could really see like the depth and it really felt like you were like watching him in that environment and then you could you would feel like off balance when he was off balance it was really fucking cool i loved that so i tupperware that action scene and the way it was filmed in uh, in 3d but overall i'm going to give the movie a high taste i i do feel like i enjoyed the movie a little bit more upon my first viewing and then going back and watching it two more times it just didn't really like you know, hit me as much as it did the first time. And I think the first time watching it was because it was like, you know, opening night, you had that opening night crowd. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, the more I watched it, the more I started to notice things I didn't really care for. But I think let's start to unpack this. Jake, I, do you see, like, we were talking about like how this like Iron Man has affected the Spider-Man so much that it's Kind of like it's affected his origin story here in a lot of ways. It's affected his villains in a lot of ways. I even feel like the story of Iron Man three came into play here. Like you had um, a villain at the end who really wasn't who he was, who he was, you know, presenting himself as. It was kind of like another, you know, Mandarin Trevor switch.
1: Yeah, I actually did think a lot about kind of the Mandarin switch, and it was a little bit of that of that same deal. Uh, on a more grander scale. I mean, it didn't, it didn't rob you of seeing kind of Mysterio action scenes as you envisioned them one way or another. Like you yeah. still got that, but yeah, very, very similar. So, and, and I guess like I, it does make me a little bit more empathetic towards you and kind of what you didn't like about Iron Man three, honestly, because it is kind of one of the big sore spots I have, like just from the moment it was revealed that it was just purely upset Tony Stark employee I was kind of let down
4: Finn what did you think about that whole reveal did you feel like you know like you've been enjoying the universe and you were glad that it kind of tied in that way or were you kind of like man you know like can we just get can we get somebody who's just and see the way that they've kind of set Mysterio up though there is Jake there's really no background with any of these characters like it's, you know, even, and I don't know. It, it's it's crazy because like even Vulture was affected by like what happened in Avengers, and I'm sorry, Finn, yeah, go that's ahead.
3: Interesting. No, 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 that's interesting. Um, I, well, I for one really, really, really enjoyed how they did the reveal, like how long they waited and the manner of how they did it, and I, I didn't mind the uh Tony backstory. I thought it made sense. Um, I. I would definitely, in future movies, prefer to be like, okay, this is more... Because this movie felt like a grand scale, like, this is, like, the big Spider-Man movie, where Homecoming felt way more personal, which I actually think I prefer the more personal feel. But um, for this one, I was like, okay, this is, like, all over the world, so, yeah, that makes more sense. I'll I'll give it to them. And I liked... I kind of liked the Tony Stark tie-in, but I really did like how um Jake Gyllenhaal revealed like Mysterio like the, the whole bar sequence mm. and how there's mm. all the people that were like yeah we're slight it was it felt more like like a team of people and less just like oh Peter Parker did this one thing to me I'm gonna have to get my revenge like I I felt that more and I also it helped me connect more to the villain a little bit more in more of a way where he's like I don't want to I don't care about like hurting this kid he's a good kid I don't want to hurt him until the end where he's like well now I have to um, which normally wouldn't work for me, where it's like, okay, he doesn't have anything against our main hero, so why do I care? But I kind of liked it; felt more like set in this world, more set in like a re- a reality where it made mm-hmm. more sense of why. Because he's just trying to get his job done, and Peter Parker is getting in the way, and it's kind of like the, do you want to, do you have to trust this guy, or do you want to become like the Spider Man you're supposed to be, kind of thing. Uh, I liked it a lot. I, I think Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio is probably the, my favorite part of this movie.
4: I thought he was great, too. And I, like, I, I, I really enjoyed him. The speech at the bar, in my opinion, when he starts to monologue, even though, Jake, you weren't a big fan of everything that's going on there, I thought that that speech was brilliantly delivered. And it reminded me if, like... It reminded me of like if Leonardo's, Leonardo DiCaprio's character from Wolf of Wall Street was giving mm. an Oscar's acceptance speech. Like, you know, like there's that scene in Wolf of Wall Street where like he's, you know, talking about, they're, they're doing all these bad things and ripping people off. Uh, but he's giving the speech of all the people that have been there for him and, and have helped them build up this empire. But on the flip side, like we've got a guy who's like, you know, doing all these, uh, special effects and, and, and tricking people. It felt like an evil Oscars acceptance speech. <laughs> and I, I thought it was pretty fucking brilliantly done and delivered by Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, I really bought into him as a villain. Um, even though it's not like the Mysterio that we know from the comics and, uh, you know, and I, I understand that the Mysterio from the comics, Quentin Beck was an FX guy, but it was not because of anything Tony Stark related. See, um, that had nothing to do with anything. But mm-hmm. I, I did think the performance here was absolutely incredible, and I loved that they brought back Peter Billingsley from the first Iron Man movie. <laughs> I know it's more Iron Man tie-in, Jake, which is probably oh, driving yeah, yeah. you nuts.
1: I, I, I don't disagree. Um, and even in my review, I, I, I said the the performance was just outstanding. I mean, John yeah. Hall was this could easily go off the rails into camp land. And it was Gyllenhaal's performance that kept that from happening. I mean, it never even got close to going into camp land. I, I took it all very seriously. And I thought he was fantastic from his grand speech in the bar to even like really like subtler moments that he did as an actor i there was a moment where when he first knows that his name is mysterio i thought Jalen hall did a really great like subtle acting moment Mm -hmm. and he kind of gives that sly little smirk nod to peter you know letting him know hey thanks for uh giving me this name i thought on second viewing that scene was a lot of fun yeah it was just like oh you you kind of get the idea like well that character isn't into creative design of superhero villains so him and his team haven't come up with a great catchy name for this character you know and you know peter just boom gives it to him and then they take it
4: yeah (laughs) they're talking about Mm -hmm. um like all the people that uh wrote the story they're talking about the the effects guy they're talking about the (laughs) woman who found out that peter was going to be the guy uh the kid who got the edith glasses um Mm -hmm. Oh, Peter Billingsley! I wanted to point this out to our listeners. If you didn't know, uh, he worked on the first Iron Man with John Favreau, and he's also uh, Ralphie from A Christmas Story. If people didn't know that, I think we really, yeah, I think we I had no I don't idea. Yeah, we've brought that up. I think I've brought that up on a previous podcast. I don't know, maybe I haven't. Uh, That's but, awesome. Yeah, um, I think he was like a producer on the first Iron Man. He's really good friends with John Favreau, but um, yeah. sure. I wait so. Jake,
3: did you not like the reveal that, like, the monsters were fake? Is that, like, the...
1: No, I I, I like all that. I thought it's so weird because I I love the performance of the reveal. I, I love kind of... I agree I love how they took their time with it and it happened so late in the movie. It was just the, the reveal of it all just being Iron Man stuff. Gotcha. It's kind of where it rubbed me the wrong way. And then from that point on, I just didn't have... As much of a connection to the story and the characters. And I just didn't like how it was like, can Peter step up to be the next Iron Man? Like, you know what? Spider Man's a great fucking character. Aspire to be the best Spider Man you can be. It just felt really weird and tacked on that it was, you need to step up and be the next Tony Stark slash Iron Man. And, well, I don't there, know, there, it, there it is. B- very odd.
4: There's a conversation that he has with Happy, and he's like, you can't be the next Iron Man. You know, that you know that, that basically that was Tony, and I loved how he brought up how Tony didn't always know what to do. But you know, he Pappy basically tells him to to be Spider Man. You know, to be Peter, uh-huh. and uh, you know, I I think with the way that they've set up Peter and Tony's relationship in the past movies, some of this stuff was just unavoidable, Jake. Like it had to be addressed in this movie, and 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 I'm not saying like they couldn't have plan this out differently from the start but i feel like amy pascal has kind of embraced all of this after like the you know the whole andrew garfield debacle like spider-man movies should be making a lot more money and they just hadn't so I,
1: i get it and i get why they're doing it it just felt like a little bit too much mcu chaperones i mean you already have the teacher chaperones and then you have the nick fury and the you know mcu and the uh John Favreau, MCU chaperones, and it's just like, it left the Spider-Man stuff not enough room to breathe for me.
4: Yeah, it felt like half and half, like it was 50% a Spider-Man movie and 50% an Iron Man wrap-up or something, or just an MCU kind of like, going back to like Iron Man 2 being like that movie that was introducing like other elements in the universe.
1: Yeah, you know, and I guess this is as good a point as any, to say that I hate a happy hogan aunt may relationship i just i can't fucking stand it it's completely not earned there i get no romantic feelings from it i get no like nostalgia feelings from it i it's just another shoehorn mcu thing going on here and it's completely not earned and nor do i care for it like it it ate up way too much screen time it was never funny it was never charming It, it was one of the most garbage things of the whole movie to me
3: wow yeah um i didn't hate it i didn't love it it just kind of was like oh this is here like it didn't it didn't blow me away i didn't really care um i think and i think it's kind of funny how Ant may nodded at like oh this is not gonna last anyways like it's kind of a one and done thing for the movie because how he was like what well, What was it She. It's called like a summer fling. Summer fling, something. yeah. Yeah it, was yeah. Like, it didn't, yeah, it didn't bother me. It was just kind of like, oh, this is cool. Like, it's fine. This is another plot point for something for Aunt May to do. Like, I like it.
1: The story never takes it seriously. It's always treated as a joke. So then when they expect you not to treat it as a joke, it for me, it's impossible. Like, I just thought it, it's a complete waste of paper and screen time uh, Real for quick. everyone involved.
4: Real quick, I, I don't want to interrupt everybody and hold your thoughts. Uh, we've just been joined... Uh, by Stephanie Chapman, uh, huh. past guest on the show and, uh, contributor to popcultureleftovers.com. Welcome, Stephanie.
6: Hi, thank you for having me Absolutely. and for buzzing me in. Thank you. Hi, yeah. everybody.
4: What up, Hello. Stephanie? Yeah, you're Hi. on with, uh, Jake and Finn Dietz Creek. So, you just got out of the movie, literally. Just, yes. <laughs> We've already rated it. I'm not going to tell you our ratings yet. <laughs> I want to know what Stephanie Chapman rated uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. And give us your thoughts.
6: Okay. Um, I thought it was good. There was parts of the movie that lagged for me. My favorite parts of the movie were probably the last 15 to 20 minutes including the uh, mid and post-credit scenes. Um, It had some wonky spots for me. Some of the spots for somebody like me who doesn't really pick up on where bad CGI is until somebody points it out. Some spots I noticed that it just didn't really look very good, although a lot of the action sequences towards the end were, to me, Mm. Um, top-notch. Some of the stuff with the class trip was just a lot, it's like extra uh, but it was, it, it was funny and I enjoyed it. So I give the movie a high taste it.
4: Okay. Yeah. I also gave it a high taste it. Uh, Finn okay. gave it a Tupperware and Jake gave it a middle of the road taste it. So like, it, which is like Jake, you're par for the course. Like homecoming was a taste it. This is a taste it. I gave homecoming a taste it. This is a high taste it for me. So.
1: Okay. Yeah. You, you know, at first I, um, I liked far from home more after I saw it the first time. And after the second time, they both feel like exactly the same to me. Like I I really can't decide which one I like better than the other.
4: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Stephanie, we're glad that you're here. Uh, we haven't really, we've been basically talking about the big reveal of Quentin Beck, um, and, uh, how it feels like he's not necessarily A Spider-Man villain, but he was set up as an Iron Man villain who crossed over into a Spider-Man movie, which is a complete uh, swerve from the comics. And so.
6: I was going to ask, what is his what's his arc in the comic? Is he is he a Spider-Man villain or is he an Iron Man in the comics? What's his story?
4: Jake, I'm telling you, this is like. Right. That's what people are thinking when they get out of this movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I think people, even people that aren't, like, really lured into the comic side of it still are, like, know enough to know that Mysterio is a Spider-Man villain. So I think it is kind of confusing to, like, you know, people that just aren't so schooled in all this comic book stuff to see this reveal and wonder if, like, this is what's going on in the comic book.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd just be, I don't know, it'd just be weird for me to see, like, um,
1: I don't know, like, uh,
4: <laughs> I'm trying to think Mandarin show up in a, in a Spider-Man movie as a villain
1: you know yeah it's bizarre it'd be like Crossbones showing up in a Spider-Man movie or whatever like I don't know it's just like and Spider-Man has one of the most richest like rogues galleries too but so it's- it's, I mean we were just talking about making the Sinister Six and like you know just how there's so many that you can't even decide which six would specifically be those six at any given time
4: there's some background noise, clickety-clackin' going on. Someone's going I crazy. I swear it's not made.
6: me. Sorry, it was me, <laughs> sorry. I'm settling in.
3: You're fine. Oh, wait, it's, did I do something? It's fine, Finn. <laughs> i scared for a sec. Yeah, I think that's interesting, Jake. I, I think Mysterio is one of the exceptions where it's like, it doesn't bother me as much. Because Mysterio already just feels more like... Not necessarily an Iron Man villain, but just more like, he's more, he's all about the show, showmanship, and it's all about these giant spectacles and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that makes, that sounds kind of like, like Iron Man in certain, uh, an Iron Man villain in certain ways. If it was like Craven or Doc Ock or like Green Goblin, then I'd have a really big issue with it feeling like an Iron Man villain. But this one, I'm kind of like, I'll let it slide for, like, I like, what Brian said, I guess I'll let it slide for this one. But if the next movie. If, it re- if the villain or whatever, if they don't set up anything for Peter Parker or if it feels like an Iron Man villain, I'm going to be really disappointed. I'm not going to lie.
4: Yeah, we'll talk about like what's in store for the future and where it might go. And then John Watts and Kevin Feige have actually had some quotes on that that we'll go over later. But uh, I, I, I do want to talk real quick about like when this movie takes place. I think that this is very important. Um, the movie does address it and We know that we have dates from Endgame, so in Spider-Man Far From Home, the movie establishes that it takes place in the summer of 2024, which is possibly June or July, which is actually eight months after Avengers Endgame, which takes place in 2023. Um, So, yeah, we're looking at uh, eight months after Endgame, this goes against the quote from Amy Pascal, uh, Pascal saying that it took place mm-hmm. minutes minutes after Endgame. So um, yeah, it seems like Kevin Feige was <laughs> this hope- was
1: this was smarter. Like I, I thought the all the like advertisements and just dealing with how the world thought about Tony Stark not being there was all much more well suited to screen the time that they ended up doing mm. instead of Amy Pascal's.
4: Yeah, uh, no, I, I 100% agree. It, it's one of those things where I, I it was interesting to see how people eight months later are now reacting to, like, what they're calling the blip, you know. And I loved – a lot of this movie had to – and this goes back to, like, what you're saying. Like, it doesn't feel like a Spider-Man movie. But these are things that people had questions about. We had, They had to address because, like, this is the movie that happens after Endgame. This is the movie where people have now come back. So like now we've got to address those things. And we saw like at the beginning, like with the school making that in memoriam video with the Comic Sans font of uh, <laughs> playing Whitney Houston uh that, you know, people came back. Like we saw the basketball game where they left and then they come back and they throw a basketball at the band who's playing in the – same place there in that gym and they hit that band member in the head with the ball and uh it answers and we said the one the, the, the one kid says that his younger brother is now older than him which i thought was pretty hilarious
1: yeah this opening was probably the funniest part of the whole movie i i honestly i think the getty images on the yeah the screen oh man that was probably my biggest laugh
4: it was really. I think. I know you didn't really like Martin Star in this movie, but I did think it was funny upon my first viewing. Him talking about his wife pretending that she blipped out, but she ran. <laughs> she ran away with a guy on the, from her hiking group.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the. I mean, it's funny. Talk. I'm laughing talking about it, but it's just so ridiculous. Like it's so over the top, cringy comedy with that character. I yeah, I just couldn't take it.
4: Yeah, I like the him and JB Smooth talking about how all the elementals like formed to be one big elemental and they got in this Power Rangers Voltron argument. I was like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, I guess. I guess. You guys
3: are just trying to pander to nerds. I, yeah, and I laugh because I like. I think technically they were both right. Like in that argument, I'm like, "Well, no, that, <laughs> that makes sense it, for both of it's them." It's just that
4: Martin <laughs> Starr's character, Mr. Harrington, had like more love for Voltron, really. You know?
1: Oh man, can we can we talk about the Amy Pascal stuff a bit more? I'm actually was really excited that you brought that up. Yeah, I kind of thought about that a lot too. Yeah, go ahead. Um, here's the question I posed to you, Brian why did the misinformation happen? Was it a intentional or B Amy Pascal just doesn't understand the story well enough to get the proper answer.
4: I feel, I, I feel like Amy Pascal is like some, somewhere along the line, she's not talking to the people at Marvel that are, <laughs> I, I, I feel like she talked to like Avi Arad and he gave her like really shitty information and she thought it happened minutes after, after end game. And
1: Yeah, I think she believed what she said. I don't think she was intentionally trying to misinform anybody.
4: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who she's talking to, but she was misinformed. I mean, I think that they maybe had a couple of different drafts of this movie. And Kevin Feige was like, I think that they were kind of like down the road a little bit. And she's kind of like believing like a past rough draft that was like, you know, glanced at and then passed on or something. I don't know. I mean, it's all speculation.
1: It could even be C, just Sony hyperbole. You know, they could have told her, hey, this will be the first movie that takes place after Endgame, and that's Mm -hmm. concrete. And then she runs with the idea that seconds after Endgame ends, this picks up, you (laughs) know? Like, it's hard saying. Like, it's just a very interesting part of the machine that happened that was just some inaccurate information.
4: Well, and you can see in the interview. because It's very funny
3: how, like, everyone theorized about that. Oh like, yeah. yeah, we did for like we did for we did for months. Ben. <laughs> like, it, oh my goodness, how is it going to pick up? Is 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 the school bus that's leaving? It's um coming into Infinity War, actually coming home from far from home. We <laughs> talked yeah, about, I feel about like that. I yeah.
1: stopped and pointed to Amy Pascal's quote, like or quote, at least half a dozen times. We've talked about years. it
4: so many times, and then like, but if you watch, like that interview is not just like. It wasn't, like, a, an audio recording. Like, it was a video. And you can see yeah. kind of, like, Kevin's face, like, when she's saying that and, like, how he's basically, like, like, ah, that's not right. Like, what are you, what
1: do you good, do? good enough. It doesn't hurt anything for you to say that. Sure.
4: <laughs> sure. Um, hey, Stephanie, what did you think about, uh, we're going to get into some other stuff, but I, I do want to know what you thought about uh, Mysterio in this movie, Jake Gyllenhaal's performance.
6: I liked it. I didn't mind it. I mean, um, as far as Marvel villains go, he's middle of the road. He's not the worst. He's definitely not the best I've seen, but I like him. He's there's a there's a charm about him as an actor that I think was needed for this role, and so I think that was fairly easy for him. Mm. And so I think it I think it worked well. And I think that was the highlight when he needed to be charming. When he needed to be convincing, um, he, his evil moments weren't as convincing to me, like when they were doing the rehearsal for the drone strike, and he had to be mean, and he pointed the drones at the guy's head. That wasn't as convincing to me. Like, I wasn't terribly frightened, but the moments where he was kind of courting Nick Fury and Peter Parker, um, those worked well for me. So he was just okay. He was decent. He wasn't, for me, he wasn't a terrible choice. What did you guys think?
4: I would put him higher up, in my opinion. I, I, I'm going, like, uh, and this list may change. I, I, but I would, you know, I, I Thanos at number one, I, I'm going, uh, number two, I'm going with Killmonger. Number three, I'm going with Loki. Number four, I'm going with Ego. Number five, I'm going with uh, Mysterio. And then number six, I'd probably go with, uh, I, I don't know, maybe it's a Vulture possibly. I don't know.
1: I think I agree with your list almost verbatim, Brian, except by the time I get to four, I just lump it all into whatever. Sure.
3: <laughs> Man, we have such different lists. I'm I'm probably like Thanos, and then probably Killmonger, and then probably Mysterio, and then Vulture. Probably. No I mean, Loki in that? No Loki. I think, I think if you asked me six years ago, it would be like Loki all day. But I think I've just had so much fatigue from seeing him everywhere that it's kind of just not like he's still great, but I definitely would prefer to watch more more of any of these villains rather than Finn, see like you're suffering. Loki again. You're suffering from Loki fatigue. I think I am. <laughs> is coming. That what, is that what happens? When I roller? hate to tell you, but they're coming out with a Loki
4: TV show on oh, Disney how about Plus. That?
3: How about i would that? not worth that I, up. I too. Can't wait to not watch that one. <laughs> oh, Loki's <laughs> fine. He's, wow. like, he's great. Like he's no, he's great. I just. I don't know it's the same thing with like Eagle Like you, Kurt Russell is one of my probably my top three favorite actors of all time like I love him yeah, to death he's great it was just I didn't really love Guardians 2 that much and so it kind of brings down the whole feel of the villain for me oh yeah see I I, I really enjoyed Guardians 2 uh, Jake we're gonna get back to
4: far from home here that Loki Plus series you know how I've been that Loki Plus series that Loki I love series it. I love, I'm
1: gonna call it Loki Plus, Loki, from Plus,
4: now on. Loki, Plus <laughs> Loki Plus Loki Plus Loki Loki Squared you know uh, you know how I've been comparing that show to Quantum Leap? Yeah. They could even make it even more Quantum Leapier because Loki can disguise himself to look like anybody, just like Sam looked like the people that he leaped into, dude. I am like, it blew my mind when I thought about that last week.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude, you could straight up get the mirror scenes where he's looking in the mirror at Loki himself. Yeah. It changes his body to look like whoever.
4: I know, and and Finn
3: will not be partaking in any of those scenes. Yeah, man, this is an anti Loki zone in this house. Okay? <laughs> oh, Get that man. stuff out of here. <laughs> Finn, no, is, no, Finn um, is saying noki to Loki. What is going on? <laughs> on? <laughs> Quantum Loki, Quantum noki Um, no, I had a quick, I had a quick question. Yeah, I, I was, I was having this thought when we were talking about Mysterio and stuff, which I think over vulture but i don't know i think the stakes kind of hit me more in homecoming a little bit like is that weird because like uh far from home is this giant grandiose like big thing where it's like oh it's life and death for everyone but like, i think the scene of vulture and peter in the car was more tense for me than anything in far from home yeah i don't think we
4: got that the stakes in this movie as much until we got to that mid-credit scene which we're gonna talk about later like that was like the major yeah. stakes in this movie. I agree with that. I Another thing that, about this movie in the third act is, which I, I do think that they did brilliantly, and I think other movies have kind of failed. Jake, we've talked about movies that, like, why do you have to make everything uh, kind of like this world-ending scenario? And I, I feel like a Spider-Man movie should should be kind of like more of a local thing. And I understand this was a European trip. Uh, so it's following him to Europe. And that was fine to, to, I loved all the locations. I loved, you know, Prague, Italy, Berlin, uh, the Netherlands, you know, I, 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 London, I thought it was all beautiful, but it's, I don't want to see a Spider-Man movie where he's saving the universe or the world or whatever. This movie, tr- again mysterio tricks everybody into thinking that this is a avengers level world ending thing and we've seen movies that should not do this we recently talked about men in black international doing this and it failed suicide squad which should be like a street level thing did this and it failed in my opinion even though it did have did do decent in the box office was successful in the box office. It's just I thought that that was kind of cool. Like it did, it was like a world-ending scenario, but it was all bullshit. It was all fake.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, that that was very interesting. Like at the end of the day, it wasn't like he's saving the universe. But I mean, there was still the pose of some real threat. I mean, the third act is the whole like Spider-Man versus the drone sequence, and the drones themselves are a real threat in the real world trying to, you know, take our hero out. But even there, like, it's... I I think you said this a few months ago on PCO, Brian, kind of the drone fatigue has set in, Mm. and you you just never really feel any danger for Peter. Like, I don't think any audience member is going, oh, the drones are gonna win. Like, they're just a utensil to look cool and fly all over the place and explode, and there's never any serious threat of the, the drones. Like, um... One of the things <laughs> Raimi did so bril- yeah. brilliantly in Spider Man 2 was make things like inanimate objects, like Doc Ox tentacles, actually seem like breathe some life into them, seem like a threat, seem alive. He was well, annoying. Raimi,
4: that- Raimi, and you know this better than anybody. Raimi's been doing that for years in The Evil Dead with tree roots and, I mean, anything he can get his hands on, that guy can make scary.
1: Yeah, this movie really could have used Raimi as a consultant maybe just to do something with these drones because it yeah. – I mean
4: – You might as well have just said the drones him. were the Chitari from Avengers.
1: Or- yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I I remember I was kind of – at one point I was making myself crack up thinking about how they should make an action movie just called Send in the Drones where you have just like all your favorite action movies from all these movies fighting just swarms of drones. Yeah. <laughs> Like it's just it's so overplayed. It's like the you know the internet of today's action movies. No, kinda, like you know even the even
4: the 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 Blair Witch sequel that recently came out. They used yeah. it wasn't it wasn't an enemy or something like that, but they they used drones in it. Uh, the recent Child's Play movie, there were drones in that movie. Drones have been just showing up everywhere. I feel like it's Hollywood's new thing. And the only thing that I I I would say the Black Mirror episode where they had like those dogs but I wouldn't consider those drones
1: yeah and and like I said the reason I bring it up is I I do agree that it was At the end of the day, it was an interesting swerve on, like, the world-ending catastrophe. But they did try to present, like, real danger and real stakes for Spider-Man, which I think just didn't land and no one ever took very seriously, at least from the audience perspective.
4: It just wasn't – I'm saying, like, this wasn't Earth-ending. Like, this wasn't – Oh, yeah. This wasn't an Earth-ending cataclysmic event that we've seen in, like, Suicide Squad, Men in Black International, like – yeah, um, you've got basically a guy who's wanting to kind of like gain this power of a superhero. He even says like the only the only way you can get listened to these days is if you shoot lasers and fly around in a cape. And he's doing that, but it's all bullshit. And um, basically, it was just so people would revere him and respect him and listen to him because he feels he felt like Tony took his invention and made a mockery of it called Barf Technology, which, like, dude, I mean, that's just Tony. That's Tony. That's what Tony does. He he names his own shit like that. That's what I kind of like. That's what I... For as much as this movie takes away Mysterio from Spider-Man lore, it really does pay great care as far as tying this character in with Iron Man because... That's what Tony would do with this technology now. Yes, he was a weapons guy at one time, but like then he wasn't. It was more about defense. And then he used this technology not as a way to, like, hurt people or, or uh, harm other nations and things like that. Uh, he used it as a therapeutic device. <laughs> spent $600 million on a therapeutic machine. And uh, it, it just felt very Tony to me. Everything that happened in this movie, regardless of how you feel about how it ties in with Spider-Man in the comics and Mysterio – it really did tie in well with what we've seen from Tony in the MCU. So when they call this like the uh, prologue to, uh, to the, to phase three, it really does work as a prologue to phase three, but I'm not saying it's not at the detriment of a Spider-Man movie. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, completely. Yeah. Cause I, cause I, I do agree. Like, the thing I didn't like isn't all these plot holes that they created by adding all this Iron Man stuff. I, I completely co-signed that the delicate care they used in actually meshing this into that was there. Like you'll, you'll be hard pressed kind of finding the plot holes when it comes to, you know, cramming all this Iron Man story. in. I just, I guess at the end of the day, I found out I didn't want that crammed in here as much as it was.
6: I also, Sorry. No, go me. ahead. No, go no, ahead. Please, please go. <laughs> Something I also that I although it was cool at the at towards the end of the movie, and I don't want to jump ahead too far. Um, when he's on the jet with Happy, and he's about he's trying to create his Spider-Man suit, and he's doing the stuff that Tony does with like moving and shifting the holograms and sticking his hand in. It pulled at my heartstrings a bit because those yeah. things are very those are those are signature technologies that are that are married to Iron Man. I appreciated the throwback and the call and the look that Happy gave him. I don't want, as much as we all love Iron Man, I want I I, I just hope that as, as cool as that was at, the, at that moment in the movie, I hope that it doesn't turn into trying to make Spider Man like almost like a, another version of Iron Man. I don't think I I, I would love that. What I love about Spider Man is that he's the friendly neighbor. That's what I love so much about Spider Man. I don't want him to turn into. Iron Man Part Two. If, if if in the future, if that I don't know if that's what they're going for, but that's kind of what it feels like.
4: I I, I 100% agree with you. I'm hoping, and this is the well, this is the road that I'm hoping that they take going down further into the MCU. Maybe Phase Five. I'm hoping that they do introduce uh, the character of Riri Williams, and I do hope that Peter passes on the Edith glasses to Riri, and she can become the next Iron Man. That that character that takes on that mantle and it's it's because it's not peter i i I mean
1: (sighs) yeah how bad did sony fuck up that we have to use iron man as the patch to fix fix spider-man instead of using (laughs) him as the patch to elevate characters that actually need the elevation like Riri and you know yeah Jesus fucking Sony why did you let this happen
4: (laughs) you're absolutely right I can't even argue that man it's like Mm -hmm. Spider-Man is the most recognizable character From Marvel. He is Marvel's Superman, in my opinion. And I think if you took a poll, most people would agree that the face of Marvel is Spider-Man and Sony owns the keys. They own Spider-Man and they couldn't do it. And I, Jake, it's one of those things where it's an, we're at an interesting place with the character. I feel like we would have gotten different representation of spider-man had we not had i'm not saying we shouldn't have i love the past and i revere some of the past with the character had we not gotten the raimi movies had we not gotten the uh mark webb andrew garfield films marvel would have been able to start with a clean slate people wouldn't have had you know two movies where they had to watch uncle ben die you know uh we wouldn't have had mary jane we wouldn't have had you know uh gwen stacy Marvel would have been able to start with a clean slate, introduce the character from day one, the way that they wanted to introduce him, whether it be in phase one, whether it be in phase two. But here we are. We're at a place where they introduce the character into Civil War. They can't even use hit the character, what actually happened to the character in Civil War. It's completely different. The story's changed. Um, and we can't do the whole Uncle Ben scene over again. We've got to... If we do all the stuff that we've already done, you've already seen it. So now we got to switch it up. Now we got to make it more MCU centric. We've got to we've got to include you know uh, Nick Fury. We've got to include Happy Hogan. We've got to include Iron Man into these stories because what we've done in the past has not worked. That's kind of like the sacrifice I feel like Sony, Marvel, Kevin Feige, Amy Pascal have had to make because of the. You know, movies in the past that just didn't perform as well. Does that make yeah. sense?
1: No, that's super intelligent. I, I think you're 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 right on there, and, and that's the thing is I I agree. Like if they were gonna launch Spider-Man again and do it with as little breathing room as they left themselves after the Mark Webb Amazing Spider-Man Two, this really was the only choice. Like mm. I don't disagree with the fa- fast forwarding and the yada yada of the Uncle Ben stuff and the changing of the Civil War stuff and just shoving it in and making it fun and cool, tying it to the MCU so it sees important. Like, I I get it. And that's... I agree they initially should have done that. I guess the metaphor for me is this: the training wheels are are still on the bike. Yeah. And they should have been... The the kid is 15 years old. Take the training wheels off the bike. He can ride the bike on his own now. We've done it. Yeah, but... that's the problem.
4: Here's the thing. It's like we've just... The last movie was Endgame,
1: and... No, I, I understand. It's... Yeah. It's... We're still there. Everything, everything they do with these Spider-Man movies is a calculated way to make as much money as they can with these Spider-Man movies. What you're worried...
4: And, are you worried... Hold on, and let me ask you this. I got... I'm dying to know. Are you worried about how... And they will in the future. I don't know when but they will introduce Norman Osborn eventually. Are you worried about how they're going to introduce that character? Do you think like there could be some more and I'm not saying it's going to be an Iron Man tie-in. No
1: dude, no dude. If Norman Osborn is an, another ex fucking Stark employee, I'm going to stab my eyeball out.
4: Well, I I wasn't thinking <laughs> ex I, but could he be could he be like um another Sam Rockwell type character, a guy that was competing against Tony Stark uh you know, in the business world.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, possibly. I think they should just fast forward past Norman, honestly, and bring in Harry as Peter's peer. Uh, it, yeah. Th- that's mm, what I that's would do. That's
3: really interesting. Peter
1: versus I, yeah. the old man is just kind of boring. we've already seen Peter versus the old man in a movie. So let's just, I would,
3: yeah. I, say, I would like them to do, like, a, in the middle of the road of how they did, like, Raimi and then the Amazing Spider-Man, because Raimi, it was all Norman, and then, well, for the first movie, and then Amazing Spider-Man 2, you see him, like, for two seconds in a bed. I would kind of, like, I think it'd be kind of cool if they did kind of an in-between where he, he appears to be the big bad, and then it's kind of the bait-and-switch with, like, Harry, and then that becomes, like, the big bad moving forward. I don't know, something different, because you don't want the same crazy Norman Osborn from... I mean, from Spider-Man One, as great as that movie is, like I just don't think it would work as well. But like you said, I I love Iron Man to death. Iron Man One is probably my top five favorite MCU films. Um, but I I can't like after this movie, like it, it has to be. Come on, we got to move on like a little bit. You know, I just you know what I mean. Not like yeah. forget about him completely, but no. I'd like to see a little bit more like grounded. My I fear Spider-Man. is I don't grounded, think we're gonna like.
1: Stephanie brought up that scene and I that's a scene I actually really didn't like when Peter is kind of mimicking Tony Stark and you know doing all that stuff it's like it's just quasi bullshit science that we as an audience never really understand We just relate to it because he's making the same hand drive motions as Tony Stark did when he was doing that science So look he's as brilliant as Tony Stark like we still have no connection to what technology he's actually doing doing other than he's smart enough to do it and to me that's always a bit of a writing fail and Peter Parker should be better than that as like a a hero written on page to screen like we should be a little bit more interested in the science that he's learning and discovering as he goes along and becomes a better superhero I thought they kind of failed on that level and it's just yada yada fast forward Peter Parker's smart and he can do the same cool hand motions as Tony Stark and yay
4: yeah, but, like okay, let's talk about our quotes from John Watts earlier. The first movie was, like, how he wanted to be an Avenger. The next movie is how he's, like, not ready to be thrown into that world, and he's just kind of, like, wanting to be a teenager. Maybe, you know, after this epilogue, after, you know, the end of Phase 3, you know, maybe we can kind of put Iron Man behind us a little bit, and maybe the next movie is about Peter coming into
1: his own, Maybe? I feel like it's, it's just all too calculated to make sure Spider-Man doesn't lose money. So I just have no faith that that's going to happen. I and still to go back think to your previous question. Yeah. I, I am scared for the introduction of the Osborns and how that that's going to have to be forcibly tied into previous MCU plot and storylines. I, I don't know. I don't want that to seem heavy handed, and I want it to seem natural. Spider-Man lore.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I can't, I can't disagree with you. Like even like Captain Marvel had its. MCU tie ins with Ronan and, 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 uh, you know, Nick Fury and, uh, and things like that. But it was a Captain Marvel movie. I mean, it was Captain Marvel, it was the Kree, it was the Scrolls. It was a Captain Marvel movie. And, and that first Homecoming movie was, uh, you know, there was a lot of Tony influence in that movie. I mean, we got all the characters. You know, we got Pepper Potts, we got Happy Hogan, you know, we got, it, it, it was like a, it was like an Iron Man. It was like a Spider Man Iron Man point five filmer. Like I don't even know how to phrase that, but it was there was there was some Iron Man in there definitely, and um, I think yeah, I think it is Sony not thinking that they could have Spider Man just stand on his own, and I, you know, the Marvel's done a great job at like building up these actors. Like Chris Evans is a name now because of <laughs> Captain America and what he's done with that character, Chris Hemsworth, like his only, in my opinion, like his only notable thing is, is playing Thor. You know, I, I guess you could make an argument for some other things if you want to. Oh yeah, it was in Ghostbusters. But like if you, when you think Chris Hemsworth, you're not thinking like, that's not the first thing you think of. You're not thinking about his, like his role in Rush. You know the Ron Howard in the heart of film. the
1: sea. In the heart of the
4: sea, another Ron Howard film. You're not. That's not the. You're not thinking about. You know, black. Uh, what was it called? Um, black on. Hat with. Uh, you know black the uh, the Michael Mann film. Oh my God, it, it, no! Uh, please don't think about that movie. It was terrible. It, you're thinking <laughs> about Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, you're thinking about Chris Hemsworth as Thor. They, they they've been able to build these characters up. Um and and do some interesting things with them. Jake, I'm I'm man, it's it's dude, it's a 50-50. It's a fucking coin flip as if the ne- to find out if the next movie's going to be just a 100% Spider-Man movie or if they're going to throw yet another character from the MCU into these films to be a part of Spider-Man 3, whatever you want to call that movie.
1: Yeah. yeah I don't know. For me, it's more like eighty twenty that they will.
4: Makes like, me I sad. can't
1: see I can't see them abandoning this kind of thing now. I mean, this movie isn't by any means flopping. and for the most part, it's a pretty big critical success too. I think
4: ninety two percent on Rotten Tomatoes currently.
1: Yeah, so I mean, nothing here is gonna like usually for big changes like that to happen, there has to be some kind of you know failure in the system, and I don't I don't see that anywhere. So yeah, I I think they're just gonna move forward, you know, full speed ahead with this uh, Spider-Man movies feeling like quasi like half MCU movies.
4: We've talked about this long enough. We need we do need to move on and talk about some other <laughs> things in the movie, um, I, the European trip. Did you guys enjoy the whole European trip? I happen to really enjoy it. I love the music selections. Um, I loved seeing, like, his whole class go on this trip together. Um, Peter on the plane, the perfume allergy scene, I thought that that was kind of funny. Peter's wanting to sit next to MJ, and uh, Mr. Harrington, of course, like, screws it all up, and he has to sit next to Mr. Harrington. And then we're introduced to the actor Remy High, who's playing Brad Davis, another guy who's after the heart of MJ. And uh, I kind of loved that character, in this movie I, I i i did i did like um ha- peter having this like competition this like love triangle with uh with this brad guy i, I enjoyed that i i don't know what are you guys thinking uh,
6: i think when they first introduced that character um when he had um and the first time that like you were really worried they felt kind of that there may be like a battle for mj when he, um When he, I remember when he took the photo of him changing when he, uh, and he was gonna, he said he was gonna show it to MJ. I was waiting for that to be kind of like a subplot. Like he's, not only has to fight Mysterio and figure, and kind of figure that out, but he also has somebody vying for like the love of MJ. That didn't really, as much as I thought that would have been a great subplot to the movie, it didn't, it wasn't consistent for me. Like after the, the, the photo was deleted and he kind of, because that was providing a lot of anxiety for Peter, after that, it really wasn't that big of a plot. I liked the introduction of it. I just thought they should have pushed it further throughout the movie. Yeah, I, I don't know how they could have done that. But. I get it. I just don't
4: want MJ to have feelings for this douchebag. And I, I, I love mm-hmm. the fact that like the the more that this guy tried, but you know, Peter's worried. <laughs> Peter's worried about it, but he Peter didn't really have anything to worry about. Like he right. has MJ's right. heart, you know. And it's like I hate it when you actually get the girl who's like seriously considering this douchebag. You know and it was never that it was never that in this movie it was like Peter always had her heart it was like this guy is fighting for her and it's never gonna go his way she's she's got a thing for Peter and I love that because um I don't know just for me I I I appreciated that did you guys in in the plane when they were first in the plane did you see like when Peter's looking at podcasts did you get a chance to see what all those podcasts were I did not know. No. There's four podcasts that Peter's looking at on the plane when they're on their way to Europe. Um, one of the podcasts is a, it's called, uh, I believe it was called, uh, heart of iron. The, the Tony Stark story. Um, another one was a Wakanda podcast. I guess it was like talking Wakanda, um, <laughs> The other one was called Hunting Hydra. So it was probably like a true crime story, you know, like a, <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> like the serial of it. Yeah, yeah.
4: And then the <laughs> other one, which this was a guy that was taken in the decimation or the blip or you, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And now he's back. It was a Dr. Eric Selvik podcast from Thor. Oh, oh wow. nice.
1: Yeah, oh, man. You know what would be a great podcast in that universe is, is if you were one of the people that got, you know, blipped. Like, you know, do do the movie reviews of all those things that you missed in that time. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast. Oh, that
3: would be great. <laughs> oh, that's
4: awesome. We Oh, I love that.
1: <laughs> Here's awesome. what I thought of Last Jedi, you know, three years after the <laughs> fact.
4: Right, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> incredible. No, the Last Jedi would have been out at that time. It was the it would have been epi, it'd be episode nine that would have they would have missed.
1: Because, okay. Okay. So we're kind of slightly in the future right now.
4: Yeah, cuz like it's what is it? So cuz they left in 2018 and it's 2023 in the movie by the time Endgame ends cuz it's a 5 year time jump and then this movie is 2019. Uh 2020, uh, 2024, excuse me.
1: <laughs> there you go. Um yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And that that kind of works um honestly cuz one of the problems is when you start with modern day is eventually the movies come out slower than time moves you yeah. get kind of caught in the past a little bit. So this is kind of an ingenious way to get them back caught up and ahead in the future a little bit. It gives them a little bit of wiggle room because, I mean, they will get caught back up, I think, again to present day, present day within the next like four to five years.
0: Think about how this affected
4: TV shows and movies. Like <laughs> there were people that were involved that were like probably filming TV shows that were taken And, like, now they're back. And, like, they come back and they find out their show is off the air. Like, Netflix canceled them after three seasons.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's like when they replaced Becky on Roseanne, but then, like, Becky, like, just shows back up, you know, in this scenario. where it's like, I want my job back. I'm back. (laughs) Right.
4: Oh, my gosh. I did like how they explored the blip and stuff like that at the beginning. And, like like, you saw Flash on the plane drinking alcohol and... You know, MJ calls him out on it. Like, oh, he was in the blip. Like, so, like, the government hasn't even, like, been... They haven't... In eight months, they haven't had time to, like, issue new IDs that have some sort of, like, asterisk on it saying that you were involved in the blip or not. Like,
3: you know? Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like they'd be... I feel like, uh, IRL, (laughs) they'd be all over that. Like, (laughs) no They'd be like, no one's cheating the system. Yeah, but think about, like, think about, like, um...
4: Oh my gosh, that's a lot of people. Half of the people. There's seven billion people on the planet. Three point five billion people. Think about how long that would take, Finn.
3: Yeah, that's so. That's so true. Especially if it's like, oh, you or yeah, that's interesting. Or the people that like weren't, um, weren't of aging. Like a, a license. Say you're like 15 yeah. and you get blipped away and you come back and you're like however old. Like that's crazy to think about. There's. I was thinking about that in the theater. Like there's so much stuff. Like, what? Yeah. Like, what if one of your, what if like your one of your parents, like a young kid, and one of your parents gets flipped away, and then like five years later, you one parents like ten years older now, like they were like five years apart, and now the one parents like ten years apart because well, and they've they remarried. yeah, or, or yeah, or they remarry, then there's a person now there's just someone who blips right Think back into your house. If you were having sex, it's crazy,
4: you having sex and you're the guy, you're on top and you're like humping away, and you got blipped, and then you came back, and next thing you know, you just fucking like come on your bed.
1: Yeah, there's no there's no Ew. Doctor Strange to hold Ew. your hand and guide you back into that experience.
6: <laughs> hey man. You're you better fucked. Yeah, you have to hope your bed's in the same spot. If it's not then you may be jizzing on something else. What I don't understand about like that
4: <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Like what I don't understand about that whole gym scene is like the basketball got blipped too and it hit that kid
1: in the head yeah that 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 was definitely um for comedic purposes like if you think about that too hard you're you're absolutely right right. oh uh 50
4: of sports equipment got taken in the blip (laughs) too jake
1: feige makes an emergency announcement (laughs) (laughs) i need to declare that uh 50 percent um maybe even 80 percent of wilson products have uh disappeared in the s
5: now
0: honey where's my racquetball
4: I I I can't find my racquetball.
1: Oh man! Can you imagine like miniature golfers? Like they they hit it in the hole and then it never comes out. It's like I what the fuck?
3: (laughs) Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's kind of thinking about miniature golfers at a time like this, Jake.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Back to your scenario, Finn. Can you can you legally drink? Has that been addressed? Like if you Oh if in the blip? I thought
3: you were talking about me. I was like I don't think so. No, uh, no,
1: like in the blip. Like if you were 17 and now you're It over was.
4: like he was on the plane and like she took the oh, drink out of his hand. That's right. Hand.
1: That's right.
3: Yeah, Flash I think, tried yeah, the drink. Just if you know or not. Like it's like admitting that you got like a fake ID or something. You know what I mean? You know I mean like if they can't tell then you're good to go. There's
1: no way for them to know yet. Like the government's not stepping in and putting asterisks on people's IDs and shit at that point. Like you it feel, seems I feel, I feel like soon. there'd, be a, there'd it, be a little bit more order than the stewardess catches you.
3: It seems too soon after the actual blip to have had like that big. Because like, what are they going to do? Like, come down to your local DMV and get relicensed? Like what Brian said, seven billion people. Left. Like, I feel like maybe like whenever it's like, oh, if your license – when your license expires or whatever, or they'll like update when your license would expire in like a future time. But like if this like, – what how, how long ago is this after the blip? Like a month? This is uh, – Yeah,
1: but
4: – Oh, well, well.
1: It's like eight months. Eight
4: months. And, and, oh, is it really? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and, and you think it would be easiest with like registered school students to like have all this shit under lock and key as That's far true. as who is what. Like – but. No, it's up to the stewardess to uh, apparently just know whether or not. Like, she's probably going to get some fine she doesn't deserve.
3: Well, I mean, even while. if the kid- hate on Flash, man, why can't you just let a man have a good time? Even <laughs> if
4: the even if the kids have passports, like their new passports that were issued should have been updated because passports are good, I believe, for for ten years. I think that's correct. So yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so I mean, unless these kids had been gone for five. Any kid with a new passport, Flash, I believe it, had his own passport, like his old passport ready to go. But, like, you could probably take a look at his picture and realize on the passport that he wasn't of it. I don't know. I'm trying to figure this out on the fly.
1: (laughs) I kind of brought this up in Endgame, too. I still think it's a little bit bizarre and convenient that any student you would recognize is also a student that got blipped, you know, that got snapped
4: yeah that's fine it's for the story purposes i'll let it slide
1: yeah yeah it's a it it's a, not my me. biggest hang-up but like it's just one of those things that you don't have you don't think about too much and you're you're fine
4: yeah yeah let's uh, i was gonna um oh go oh, ahead i'm sorry Ryan, no, do you want I, to? no go ahead bring, pose
3: I, this thought i was gonna have it uh, have us take a break here real quick but go ahead Oh, and- yeah um uh, before that because man i gotta pee i was just gonna <laughs> go back into the conversation about like we were talking about like the actual like far from home story but i was i was wondering what you guys thought about the whole mysterio like sequences like all of the uh fight scene like the big fight scene with mysterio and the train and all that stuff i was just curious to hear your thoughts we can do that after the break let's
4: do that after the break and then after the break i also want to talk about the different uh elementals and things that were introduced into this as well but yeah let's take a quick break we'll come back and we'll talk about those things Hey, we are back. Uh, Real quick before we jump back into Far From Home, got a question for you. Who would win
3: John Wick versus Hawkeye? Who wins?
1: I feel like John Wick wins that fight.
3: I'm with you. John Wick, he is the boogeyman. Hawkeye is the absent man because he's, we barely see any of them. <laughs> oh,
6: that hurts. I tried, I tried John a joke Wick. there.
3: I didn't know if it hit. It did. Know, it did. It did. <laughs> I
4: liked, I liked it, Finn. That was good. Thank that you. was well played, sir. <laughs> yeah. You know how it is. It's
3: off the dome. You know what I mean?
4: I know. I like it, man. Uh, what do you think it's, Stephanie? Who wins? Uh,
6: John Wick. Yeah.
4: John Wick. Oh my gosh. I, 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 Oh man, that's a tough one. Like, I wanna say John Wick, but then I don't wanna, I don't wanna make Hawkeye a little bitch. You know what I mean?
1: Like, like every other writer. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
4: I come on. Movie I'm come on. Alright, Matt Fraction Hawkeye takes John Wick.
3: I don't know. That's man. my it's final a,
1: answer. It's a closer battle, but I still think John Wick wins. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the he's the almost man. infallible when it comes to action sequences and coming up on top. Like, uh, uh, part of the allure of the Matt Fraction Hawkeye isn't that he, he is just perfect at everything. Yeah, it's true. All cool right. Point. Hawkeye's dead. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how you slice it, even when you, do, even when you have him fight a good writer version of Hawkeye. I
4: know. I know. I'm trying, guys. Uh, Finn, what did you want to talk about before we uh, went to break?
3: Oh uh, I was just gonna wanted to bring up the awesome mysterio like sequences, the like his illusions and stuff because it was such a small part of the movie. but besides the end credit scene, those were by far my favorite parts of the whole thing I, I like, l- the the snow globe was gorgeous yeah. gorgeous oh my gosh and and the stuff with like you were saying the Dead Iron Man and like i I was just waiting I was and I don't know if we te- we technically didn't get it. I was satisfied though but like i just wanted the circle of mysterios and him having to like figure out which one it was i was waiting i was like come on come we on." we did see on.
4: the spider and the eyes yeah. of the spider turned into multiple mysterios that did happen
3: yeah. which was cool yeah i was like oh man i think i'm like they're gonna do it and they they pretty much did it and i just thought it was so it was like the doctor strange like tripping ball sequence but like times two in and, and awesome i loved it i thought it was so good
4: yeah, I, I thought it looked really good in real 3D. It did look really good. I liked it. Um,
6: yeah, the scene I have when a they really... Go ahead, Go ahead, Stephanie. No, no. Jake, you can finish. I can ask after that.
1: Oh, I was going to say, the Mysterio action sequence that I, I really liked was just that when he went down the, like, final drone hallway, and, like, you really saw a great example of, like, him using his spider senses and, you know... Knowing where they would be to get to Mysteria, I thought that was really the special effects were really great oh, during man, that part. I
4: felt like he was Luke Skywalker with the blaster shield down using the Force.
1: Yeah, it was it was really cool. I, I thought that was definitely the best like usage of the drones was that moment.
4: Stephanie, what was your question?
6: Okay, so I think for me, I liked all of the Mysterio action sequences. One of my favorite action sequences was. Um, was Spider-Man versus Mysterio at the very end before Mysterio dies like when he's fighting the drones like and he's got he his tingly spidey sense and he's able to kind of like his Peter where they are. Yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> I really like that the stuff with the with the with the Mysterio illusions with the drones. It I had to it was a lot of suspension of like of the like you know what I mean like it's just like uh, what do they call it suspension of disbelief. It was like is that even and I know it's a yeah. mon- and you know it's a comic book movie it's not a lot of stuff isn't realistic or possible, but I was like, that's a a lot of drones creating a lot of illusions that people don't see. It just was a little much for
4: me. With the elementals, which I want to talk about here in a moment, but with the elementals, I think the the, the hardest one for me was, the hardest one we saw on screen for me to believe where they could replicate this was the water elemental of Hydron, um, where... I can understand it causing the destruction as Hydron, you know, smacks a building with his big water hand. But you'd also have to have these drones splash people with water as well, right? Like, I get it, like, later on with uh, Hellfire, the the big fire one. Like, they should be able to shoot a flamethrower from... And that's that part where we physically see Spider-Man shooting his web at Hellfire and hellfire's burning the web before it can even make it to him i get that but like with hydron he's made of water so am i led to believe that these drones are also spitting water into whatever they're Mm. causing they
1: just just went to like toys r us or walmart bought super soakers I, i guess
3: so I thought it was like explosions under the water. That's what I thought they, they were saying. I but there was the wrong. parts where, it was like, with his hand, with his hand where it's like, yeah, gotcha.
4: you know, where he's smacking buildings when they're, you know, and that happened in Venice, which
1: I, you know, I, I, I'm i just, you know. There'd be some splashback. I get what you're saying. Yeah.
4: A little bit. Yeah, it was a bit much. And the OK, we we're also led to believe that, that he fought um, Zephyr. Which was the elemental made of wind in Mexico. So are these things, do they have
1: like a fucking leaf blower strapped to them, Jake? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're ready to go for whichever elemental they're going to (laughs) do. Yeah,
4: and just if you were curious, Magnum was made of earth. That was one that we did not see. We didn't see Magnum named after a condom. Uh, yeah, he's a really, really
1: large <laughs> elemental. <laughs> Very,
4: well, it depends, you know.
3: Very, uh, I, was, I would say girthy, but, I mean, you could say earthy. Mm. Yeah, that didn't that one didn't hit. That, that one didn't that hit. That one didn't hit as well. Yeah. Whatever. I, I'm glad they didn't show a lot of the Earth guy, though, because everyone was like, oh, it's Sandman. I'm like, it's not Sandman. They're like, no, it's Sandman. And I'm glad we didn't really see much of him, because now if they ever want to introduce Sandman, we could, like, actually get him.
1: Yeah, they haven't blown that effect or, like, any idea of what that effect can really, really look like, I guess. Did you catch the... the Oh, go ahead.
3: I'm sorry. I was just going to say, Spider-Man 3 really holds up in that aspect. Like, except for, like, the amazing scene, but where you see him, like, reaching for, like, the lock and stuff. Like, his face looks kind of whack. But, like, all the sand stuff looks really good still, like, Mm -hmm. 12 years later. Yeah. Uh, there was an Easter
4: egg for, uh, I know it was Hydron, this elemental, and that was confirmed. These names that I gave were confirmed by Kevin Feige, and those names are also mentioned in a uh, trailer. A lot of the stuff in the trailers didn't make into this movie, and we'll talk about that here in a moment, too. But uh, Hydro Man, who's not actually in the film, Flash Thompson, when he was doing his research on, uh, on his phone, Googling or whatever, he was researching about uh, Hy- uh, Hydron, and he brings up an article that talks about uh, science experiments done on a sailor named Morris Bench, who is actually Hydro Man in the comic. So that was a little Easter egg that they threw into the movie, which I thought was a nice, cool touch. But uh, I thought that the the elementals looked really good. I thought that they all looked pretty spectacular and i thought the action sequences were done really well
1: yeah i agree with that the special effects on them on them were great um they suited their purpose they you know they did what they were supposed to do and they were a cool looking threat to spider-man and the reveal was was good enough with them
4: some of the things and going back uh to my, one of my earlier comments uh things that didn't make it into the movie um the whole scene with ned when he got knocked out by the dart from uh nick fury and he starts making noises and peter's like is he gonna be okay and he's like you might want to flip him over so he doesn't swallow his tongue that wasn't in the movie
1: yeah they just complete disregard for Ned in the final cut
4: and then another scene that didn't make it into the movie was uh the whole peter helping the cops out with, for, with that bank robbery.
6: Oh yeah. Mm, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that.
1: You're either gonna get Ramon's music or helping cops. You can't have both. Ramones <laughs> That's funny.
6: Oh, we,
3: they would probably would have uh they would have given us the repeat of Spider Man I amazing mean, Spider Man two when he has like the fire hose and everything. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I like that. I did too. I, I I don't know. I kind of my one of my biggest complaints with the whole movie is I just wanted to see a little bit more like I I just want to see a little bit more like friendly like what is saying friendly neighborhood Spider-Man stuff but I get that it's the the, he's far from home so it's not just gonna be right
1: you know what I mean yeah it doesn't feel like we've grounded him enough in his own friendly neighborhood to already be taking the field trip like and we all agreed that you know the field trip stuff was fun and it it looked good and everything but just as far as like a plot element goes, it does feel like a little bit unearned and too soon to be ripping them out of the friendly neighborhood and actually getting too much emotion from that. Yeah.
3: I think after this one, I really want to get another like smaller scale Spider-Man story. Cause we've had like infinity war Endgame, Spider-Man far from home where it's all these giant, like, you know, big stories. I, I kind of want to see something more like homecoming, I think to the next one, like something like Craven's like last Hunt type stuff or something like the hobgoblin or something like that.
4: What did you? Personally. What did you think about um, when Peter is in Italy and he doesn't have a suit and he's trying to fight Hydron and he takes he, he takes the Jester mask and starts to fight him? <laughs> they actually at the end of the movie when they're showing like the newspaper clips they actually named that character the Venetian Jester. So like, oh, uh, like that's hilarious. yeah. So I think what, what was it? Was it Prague where we got night monkey and here we got Venetian Jester, Jake, as much as I loved Venetian Jester and I thought the special effects on him swinging in Peter Parker clothes and wearing the Jester mask looked amazing. I thought it was a missed opportunity for Peter to, instead of picking up a Jester mask, which I understand there were kids in his group that were wearing masks just like those and getting their pictures taken. I thought it was a missed opportunity for Peter to put a paper bag on
1: his head. Oh Yeah, paper bag Peter for the first time would have been, that would have been would have a would've got a pop for me.
3: Wow. Now see for, I was already mad. I don't really like I think I it really bothers me the the least amount of time like we see him him in his suit a lot of the time. Like it, it bothers, I'm like I wanna see like Spider-Man in the suit and it was really bothering me. But now I'm just even more sad that we didn't get to see like Fantastic Bagman. Do you think the toys when they sell
4: the the black suit Spider-Man, do you think that they'll be labeled night
3: Monkey? I'll <laughs> <would> be so. <laughs> they're not I know they're not, but that would be sick cuz uh <laughs> somebody's might already have the Stealth suit Marvel Legend which I'm probably going to get eventually.
1: Yeah, but that I agree, would be great. Ben, I- uh, they, they should, but even if they are, they'll still tag in the word Spider Man, too, because that's how you got to sell the things, right?
4: Yeah. I know you guys weren't a big fan of Happy and Aunt May's relationship, but what did you think about the teenage romance, brief teenage romance of Betty Brandt and Ned Leeds? Oh, I loved it. loved
6: it. I thought, I thought it, was, it was so funny. Yeah, I thought it was funny. I got a, a couple of laughs out of that. It was good.
1: Yeah, it didn't do much for me. I mean, it I it was interesting, but, like, they didn't really play with what they set up very well. They kind of, like, the whole idea of, you know, Ned being like, we're going to be Bachelors, we're going to be Bachelors, and then instantly not by the time they got off the plane was a funny concept that they just kind of ditched very quickly after the fact. So.
4: Oh, I thought I- – Thought it was pretty funny, like they were wearing matching outfits at one time. She was very controlling, uh but not controlling. That's a bad word, but very concerned for him at one point. Where it like after the dart incident with Nick Fury, which he claimed to be like one of the coolest moments of his life. Which I can't argue with him because that's pretty fucking cool to be knocked out by a dart by Nick Fury. But like she's getting him a vitamin C pill. She's just like very like a concerned mother in that in that moment. I I've known people that are like that and I gotta I gotta kick out of that whole scene.
1: I, I did appreciate that. That they, they, they definitely didn't make her a shitty character. Like mm-hmm. they, they did a good job of making her a likable character during all of this. They didn't just make her like a giant jerk like you know a yeah. lot of times they do with like, this kind of character.
4: The whole scene on the bus where she's like Peter, don't think that we haven't noticed that, that <laughs> y- your new look and, and then Ned is just like so agreeable. Like, yeah, he looks he looks so mature and very European.
1: I was <laughs> <It's> just dying. <laughs> oh man, yeah. do you think Ned would be more happy or less happy if he knew the truth about who really shot him with that blow dart? Uh,
4: would it be a cooler <laughs> moment or a less cool moment? <laughs> it, was, it was a fucking alien. Yeah. <laughs> i don't know i think it i think it makes it cooler right
1: Up, upgrade i think it is an
4: upgrade it's an Whoa. alien as nick fury like that's that's an upgrade right
3: yeah i, I don't think it know. is an upgrade how does Ned even know who nick, nick fury is in the first place like it I, mean, I get him knowing like Iron Man, captain america but nick fury seems like pretty covert like how does he even know like who the super spy is it's, i think
1: well, I think Spider-Man slash Peter Parker tells him way more yeah. than he should. He's his best friend. I actually, actually believe that completely.
4: He's the man in the chair. Right? Yeah. Let's talk about, um, the, the gift that was given to Peter. Uh, yeah, hey. okay. it was given to Nick Fury, who then gave it to ta- Talos, and then Talos gives it to. If we're being like literal with the movie, like the movie shows us that it was Nick Fury that gave it to him. But this is the the gift, and it's it's the glasses that we saw um, Tony with at the beginning of Infinity War. Uh, we find out that the gift is uh, called Edith, which stands for "Even Dead I'm the Hero," which I thought was brilliant. <laughs> I love that because that's so Tony, and it gives. The user, who has control of it, access to all databases of Stark Industries and commands all of Stark's orbital weapons. And we see that in this movie. I thought it was great, the introduction of that. And then I also thought it was great that it immediately goes into Peter uh, making Brad a target and almost killing him. That was the <laughs> only drone scene in this movie where I was just like, this is this is great.
1: Yeah, that was really funny. I I actually um, did think the Brad character was one of the more funnier parts of the movie and the interactions with Peter and him. So, yeah, I enjoyed this a lot, too. I like that Nick Fury even calls back to it later on when they're communicating with each other, just kind of pointing out how Parker can't handle the situation or, you know, the gift. Yeah.
5: Yeah.
6: Is there a... Excuse me. Is there a... Okay, maybe I'm just overthinking it. When Peter gets the glasses um he reads the note and he says edith and he you know the, there's a retinal scan and the glasses are now belong to him he has to do the command to give them to mysterio but when mysterio is about to die and he gets the glasses back he mysterio doesn't have to then give peter command back did he did he never i thought he relinquished like his control of the glasses he just put them on and they're like welcome back peter there was no like that's i was expecting the, there, there to be another kind of like road bump where the glasses were like, you don't have control. Like I thought he'd given control away. Am I overthinking it?
4: Maybe. I don't, the movie doesn't, doesn't say that you're wrong, but it also doesn't say that Peter doesn't have kind of like 100% access. Like he's, you know what I mean? Like he's the administrator and right. You know, it, the movie doesn't really establish that. I guess we're just supposed to go along with it. You know, that if, you know, Peter can basically supersede any command that was later given. I—that's a great question, right. though.
1: Yeah, that's a great point by Stephanie. Because they, they very much do establish that he has to give over the control, but then it's just kind of convenient that there's not much to do with that when he gets it back.
4: And it's almost like Peter just knows that this will work. Like there's no, you know, it's not—it's not like Nick Fury gave him an instruction manual on the Edith classes.
1: Yeah, and the bad guys seem like they know enough to know that they need Peter to relinquish, like, the security and the control of the device, like, after the fact.
5: Mm -hmm.
4: So
1: it doesn't seem like that's a two-way street, though. That's a very interesting kind of plot hole.
4: Yeah. Oh, man. I I did really appreciate the scene, though, where Peter does give Mysterio Edith uh, access. Um, I thought it was done really well. Like, even like later in the bar scene when we get the flashback we see a clean shaven Quentin Beck and Uh now we see him with the beard which makes Jake Gyllenhaal look that much more like Tony Stark right so like when he does put the glasses on it really is kind of like a, a visual trigger to Peter like you know I've seen this guy twice now defeat the villains which I thought that that was a weird scene that Peter was in the night monkey suit with the mask off in a bar with people. Did anybody else feel that way too? Uh,
3: yeah. Totally. That, really struck me as odd. that was when I was uh, again thinking like, man, he cannot keep the, like the suit slash mask on for like five seconds. I was like, it just keeps like the same with like anything like they just keep taking, he just keeps taking it off. And that was just extremely like, I was glad that they cleared it up afterwards with the vision, but I, I was thinking like something's right. Not right. When it's, he was just like sitting there. The you know?
4: whole scenario is just weird even though it, it happened to work out that like these are the villains and some of the people in the bar are complete holograms. Visual effects or whatever. Like, It worked out that way, but, like, just for Peter to be wearing the Night Monkey suit because he shows up on the local news, like, later that night,
1: you know? Yeah. Like, no one's going to associate Night Monkey with Spider-Man. Their powers look absolutely nothing alike whatsoever, you know? It's like they're giving no credit to, like, people watching the news or, or, you know, the MCU Redditors, I'm sure, are going to be all over this and figure this out. Yeah.
4: I Hold on real quick. I am so glad at the end of the movie though that we find out that Talos is Nick Fury because I was upset and I even mentioned this before the movie came out I was upset that Peter's identity was revealed to Mysterio before this movie even came out it it just it felt I just didn't feel like Nick Fury had Peter's best interests in mind like this guy supposedly just came out of the multiverse and you're giving away peter's identity to him immediately like it makes way more sense that it was talos doing this because talos for as much as he acted like nick fury like was making a lot of shitty decisions throughout this
1: movie (laughs) yeah It, it was yeah for sure it was obvious there was no like consultation between him and nick fury or at least not very often Cause he was definitely just lots of mistakes. And I agree with you. There was, there was definitely a point in this movie where it was like, Jesus, Nick Fury looks like a fucking Dalton.
4: No movie. shit. I was so glad with like that, you know, final post credit scene, clearing that up for me. Cause like <laughs> I have, I had a laundry laundry list of notes that I was going to go off on about this movie when it came to that shit. Yeah.
6: Yeah. Um, when I was, yeah. When I, sorry.
4: No, the go ahead. Stuff.
6: Just like when I was, I was thinking the same thing as I was watching. I'm going, like, Nick Fury is so smart. Like, why would he not have more reservations about Mysterio in the beginning? But then, when we got the post credit scene, I, I agree that it cleared up a lot of those. But then, another question I had, even once we got the post credit scene, was like, why? Why is that something he would sit out? Is is that is that the type? No, is it. Is it
1: No, that's a great question. I had, that was what I was actually going to say. It it does seem weird that Nick Fury would, would just hand over such a like delicate emotional operation to, to Talos. But that's where I go back to. They just, I don't think they were, I I bet Nick Fury didn't even know this kind of thing was necessarily going on that Talos was, was involved in this storyline. I I think Talos is a little bit going rogue as Nick Fury doing all this stuff.
4: I, I, Here's the thing. I think – and we're going to talk about this later. I teased it earlier about the next MCU event, and I think that Nick Fury has his hands full with that. And so he's basically trusting Talos to do the best job as Nick Fury on Earth right now, but there are bigger things happening cosmically and in the universe – that he needs to put his attention on right now. So I agree with that. Talk about that. Yeah, That makes sense. I'll talk about that later, but, and that would make sense.
1: He would just, as long as Talos isn't ending the world, he kind of really just doesn't give a shit how he goes about the things.
4: No, it's almost like Nick Fury in a way at this point is kind of like what captain Marvel was at the end of infinity war. Like Mm. with the pager, you know, it's like, it's, it's like that on a lesser scale, I suppose. Like.
1: I agree with that. Break glass in case of emergency. If Talos really needs to get a hold of him or let him, let him know something crazy's going on. Exactly. He can. It,
4: it fucking, like, fucking, Nick Fury is so over Shield right now. Like, Shield is like so fucking like 2010. Or two thousand and twelve right
1: <laughs> no, I agree, and this this is just another method to keep shield off of descent of what he's actually even up to right now, right right can like I d- they're probably all following this guy, yeah, exactly, exactly, so um. Let's see here. I don't know. What do I want to, th- what do I want to talk I, um, about next? Go ahead, Jake. As far as the, I was going to say, um, I haven't brought this up at all yet, but I, for as much as I hate on the post-credit sequences and the mid-credit sequences, I had, I did think both of these were pretty fantastic. God They damn. were Yeah, two of the best, you know, post-credit sequences that we've had, I think, since Avengers 1, honestly. Um, both got me excited. Both gave me a lot to talk about. They weren't just throwaway jokes. They felt like serious setup, but they didn't feel like just like in-your-face setup. Like, you know, Captain Marvel's the next movie type of stuff, you know? Like, Thor's the next movie. Like, they felt like well-thought-out post-credit stingers, and I was Mm -hmm. surprised at how much I enjoyed them.
4: Well, fuck it. Since you brought it up, let's
3: talk about them. Finn, you have something to say? Oh, I was just going to say, I I agree. I think that the first post-credit scene is... Tied with Avengers One is my favorite post credit scene in the MCU period. I did not like really the second one that much. It didn't really like. Uh. It felt like I didn't really love the reveal of Nick Fury being Taylor. It's you like, might it makes sense. You might after oh, I, I. You might after I okay. get done talking about it, buddy. I'm. I'm gonna let you know my feelings after because I'm. I'm excited now because like if it actually is like oh he's doing something for the next event stuff that's awesome. But just from being like it just felt like oh, oh yeah. Oh, so the person you thought with Nick Fury was this character that I don't care about nearly as uh, much. And now it was just kind of like, eh. It sets so up. Yeah. It sets
4: it so up much- so much more. You're looking at it from such a fucking surface level. Ooh. Um, no, I'm telling you, man, you might appreciate a little bit more after we talk about it. Jake, since you brought up the post-credit scenes, let's jump into them right now. I want to jump into them right now while we do have Finn on the podcast. Um, let's talk about the mid-credit scene first. In the uh, mid credit scene, we get uh, reporter J. Jonah Jameson of the DailyBugle.net now. DailyBugle.net blames Spider-Man for the Elementals' attacks, uh, broadcasting uh, doctored footage of the incident, uh, filmed and recorded by Beck, in which he incriminates Parker for his death and reveals Parker to be Spider-Man. So this marks the official MCU debut of J. Jonah Jameson, um, who has not been in a film since Spider-Man 3 and is played by the same actor, J.K. Simmons, uh, who, pro- who portrayed him in the, uh, Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi trilogy. Uh, and this is actually the first time an actor has played the same character in a Marvel film reboot of the same franchise as they did in the previous franchise. This is fucking huge. Jake, I got to know what you thought about this scene. What for me, what was crazy is like, I had actually seen a picture of J Jonah Jameson and the daily bugle.net. I saw this picture on Reddit days before the movie, before I saw the movie. And I just thought that it was—I thought it was a Photoshop. And so when I saw it in the movie, I was blown away. I wasn't spoiled, thank God. Like I was
1: spoiled, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, as close as possible. You were like on the edge of the cliff.
4: Yeah, yeah. I saw this picture. Like I saw somebody had posted a picture of Jay Jonah J I I just thought it was a. I thought it, and I know that uh, J.K. Simmons showed up to the to the red carpet premiere. You know, I saw pictures of him at the red carpet premiere for Spider-Man Far From Home. I saw this picture, still didn't think anything of it.
1: No, and then they do that kind of stuff all the time, right? Sure. Like, you yeah. know, for Batman movies, yeah. They bring like, like Jim Carrey will show up or whatever the fuck, you know?
4: This is why I didn't think anything of it. And so it was, it was, uh, I was still surprised when I saw this. Jake, what did you think? Because... We like there were rumors that J. Jonah Jameson and the Garfield films they were going to bring back J.K. Simmons. People have been petitioning J.K. Simmons. You know, I've mentioned maybe Nick Offerman in the past. I've heard some other, you know, names thrown out there, but none as good as J.K. Simmons. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I this blew me away. I did not have this spoiled in any way whatsoever myself. I did not see this coming. I mean, we've definitely talked about the possibility of this and whether or not we'd be fine with them, you know, casting the same actor again. And I, I believe I remember we were all pretty okay with it. Yeah. You know, probably more than okay. Yeah. And we were, yeah, this, this blew me away. I loved this, Um, you know, not to even talk about, you know, the stakes and the depth of the scene, but yeah, just seeing J.K. Simmons again, woof, you know, I'm glad that Commissioner Gordon gig failed. So we can have this. I, I, you know, if the, if the Snyder Cut would have been released and, you know, everyone would have been blown away by how awesome that was, we, we might not have this.
4: Yeah. Dude, this was like
1: such a dick. <laughs> Does the Snyder <laughs> Cut even exist? It doesn't exist. It does, exist, right? it, it does dude. It's really been taking up steam this week on Twitter. It
4: does exist, apparently. Like, yeah, it's been on Twitter like crazy. It does exist. Like, there is a cut. A very... I, I don't think... Like, I don't know if all the...
3: My dad, dark side, and all this crazy stuff is like fully in it. But
1: yeah, we know. Yeah. we know. Snyder showed WB a finished movie, but when I say finished, I I mean like everything was shot like yeah, on film. Yeah, yeah. None of the post CG work had been done, and WB execs saw that and said no. <laughs> and then you know Snyder was out and Whedon came in. Have you li- and-
4: have you listened to um, Kevin Smith talk about? the what Snyder's vision was for for that whole you know, I haven't
1: heard it, like actually heard it heard yeah. it, but I have kind of fell down the rabbit hole of watching a few YouTube videos and mm-hmm. reading a few articles and
4: Yeah, it's uh, actually I'll uh, like there's a there's an episode of Fat Man on Batman where uh is that what they call it now? I think they changed the name of the podcast. Whatever. But like there's an episode of that podcast where he talks about it. And I'll be honest with you, it sounds really cool but whatever i mean we're not going to get it so it doesn't matter
1: yeah it sounds like it's like 70 to 80 percent different than what we got yeah guess.
4: yeah but um,
1: um yeah we we'll get
3: J.K. Simmons. To this scene yeah oh did i cut you off i'm sorry Brian. no i
4: just said jk simmons and now i'm passing it on to Dude. to you
3: so I the for the last half an hour of the movie I had I have a really small bladder and I drink so much water like multiple bottles like I brought I drank multiple bottles of water during the movie like I have I need to drink so much and I was dying to pee the last half an hour mm-hmm. so as soon as those credits hit I bolted out the theater I ran so fast I peed so fast I didn't even like take the my at my pants like, I got just like peed like right there on the floor like I was peeing so fast and then I had to run back to the theater <laughs> and, and I was just and as soon as I walked back in it like it cuts to like. MJ and Peter swinging. I'm like, oh, I didn't miss it. Yay! I was literally like screaming when he came up. I was like, yes, because <laughs> Spider Man Two and Into the Spider Verse are my favorite comic book movies ever. Yeah, and Spider like J.K. Simmons is one of my all time favorite actors, and seeing him back as J.J. Jameson as like the Infowars version,
5: mm-hmm. um, yeah. kind of
3: kind of like the ultimate Spider Man cartoon version meets like meets like I don't know 2019. It like that was my fa- that might be my favorite part of the whole movie just seeing that like reveal like that was the crazy that was the greatest thing ever i was beyond thrilled and everything after that was amazing too but like just seeing my boy jk simmons back i was like man i'm i'm so happy they made such a good decision it was it was fantastic what did you think stephanie
6: um i liked it i remembered him not having i've, I've seen all the spy. i've seen the previous spider-man films but only once each and i did um he definitely looked familiar I didn't, uh, I, I, I mean, I liked that the mid credit scene that was out of the two credit, the, the bit in the post credit scene, that one was my favorite. This, the people in my theater, uh, got really jazzed when they saw him appear on the screen. It was, it was, it was like a half packed theater and they got really excited. Yeah. Um, and I was like, Oh, he looks familiar, but I didn't get the significance of him being back as much i don't think i don't think it clicked for me as it did for them but i like i like him as an actor so he's he's good
4: wow that was kind of uneventful
6: (laughs) i'm sorry I'm
4: (laughs) i'm kidding i'm kidding no it's 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 yeah like
1: oh man can we rewind to uh finn calling someone like five times his age my boy (laughs)
3: that really cracked me up. Oh my goodness. I love J.K. Simmons though. Like I, I Whiplash is one of my favorites, and I just watched it again recently. I was, I was thinking, I was like, man, there's there's no one that can like the, the way he commands your yeah. attention. Like in the first of all, being nineteen. some of my friends respect the raimi movies but most of them are like they're so dated they're so dumb toby sucks like they're so corny i think that they are the raimi films are so underrated like today like how like i I just rewatched them all and they're so stylized and like they're so sam raimi that it's they're incredible i love them all even spider-man 3 i i love it finn you you give me you give me hope for the future Thank you. You do. You, know you do. Try. You
4: give me hope for the future. And that, that's, what I, that's what I've That's i always respected that about you. It's like, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, younger people that uh, don't uh, respect uh, some of the things from the past. Jake, like when we got Spider-Man back in 2002, like that's what we had. I'm not saying like that's what we had and we liked it. Like that's what we had and that was like that was the Spider-Man movie that we needed. Like, that was that was Spider-Man, man.
1: Oh, yeah, at the time. I mean, it hit on all cylinders. Yeah. And, I mean, I agree with Finn. I, I still think Raimi did such a good job that they still hold up today. Like, they're so stylized and interesting as far mm-hmm. as the filming techniques go that they're still very watchable. You're not going, oh, boy, these special effects look so terrible.
4: Did you know in Spider-Man 4, Bruce Campbell was supposed to be Mysterio?
3: Oh.
1: that's fantastic what a great clinton becky would have
3: been been. so good Mm. i i'm slowly making conversions though like out my friends would be like no no the the old ray movies suck trust me i watched them when i was like six i they're terrible and i'm like nah man we gotta watch them together like i'll put on like spider-man 2 and all of the it's it's such like a spider-man movie with all the scenarios and like the motifs and stuff that happened in that movie that people are like oh yeah I guess this was pretty good and like even Spider-Man 3 like there's a lot that I would change and there's a lot wrong with it but a lot of it like a lot from like the first two acts really holds up I think really well until you get to like the Venom stuff but even people, yeah I'm trying to convince people my age to like watch some of the other stuff like I I've never been the biggest 70s Superman like the what is it the Richard Donner films like it's never been yeah. my thing um but I I watched them with, with a friend and we were like man that's actually pretty good like better than people give it credit for at least my age so
4: no that's cool that's very cool um
6: Jake, i have a a, a question just yeah. about spider-man moving forward i hope i'm not jumping ahead no
5: go
4: ahead
6: since we've already seen this is this is he um so tom holland's the third version of spider-man correct
4: uh yeah. i mean or, I, we did have from like from sorry. the films from films yes
6: correct yeah is, is the, is the plan, um, moving forward, is he, that he will stay this way? That he will stay Spider-Man? Or are they gonna do, is it gonna be like a bunch of movies and that they're gonna replace, is, what's the plan? I like him a lot as Spider-Man, I hope they don't replace him, but is that the plan is to keep him around?
4: I don't think that, I, I, think that Tom Holland, and Tom Holland has come out and said like, I would love to play this character like well into my thirties. I, I, think that that is the plan. Um, it's, you know, we've seen other characters replace. We've seen, you know, you know, Terrence Howard get replaced as War Machine and become John, Sh- Don Chadle. You know, we, we, we've seen that kind of stuff happen. Um, I don't think the plan is to replace Tom Holland. I think that they're gonna want to keep this guy around as long as possible. Hey, Jake, Stephanie brings up a great question. Like, Iron Man, I don't think that they're gonna replace, of course, Tony Stark that's not going to happen but unless they let's say they don't kill off Spider-Man Tom Holland's contract runs out and he's done they're what are they doing Are they can yeah. are, are they are they hiring another actor to play Spider-Man
1: I think they are
4: I do too
1: Yeah I think yeah. Sony that's that's the Sony way and I think even to the point where they're hiring another Spider-Man and it's still the same ongoing storyline. Oh, yeah. Not not even a reboot.
4: Yeah. Yeah, No, I agree. Especially because it's still going to be in the MCU. Kevin Feige has said, like, he doesn't see the MCU ending. Like, it doesn't have to end. Like, it can just keep going. Right?
1: Yeah. In my head, when this whole Sony MCU deal becomes a giant mess is when they uh, try to push the Venom envelope. And I'm ready to see what kind of <laughs> giant mess of opinions that's going to create
4: well i mean hmm. it's not like we it's not like you just have to worry about venom we've also got a morbius movie there's also yeah. rumors of a craven movie but let's mm-hmm. i let's finish this mid credits it's a
1: miracle venom made money though like i have no faith those other two movies are going to make money
4: yeah. yeah yeah we'll see yeah it's i don't think morbius is going to be in- bring people in,
3: yeah. lighten,
1: <laughs> up, lighten up the social media <laughs> right,
3: right. <laughs> no for real Venom was like pop like I was not a fan of Venom I actually really liked Tom Hardy like I liked the Venom character and Tom Hardy as Venom I didn't like the movie but like people my age were like yeah that was actually like surprisingly a really good time which I know like I know you guys liked it and stuff and it's totally cool Um but like people my age they love Tom Holland like that is like their savior um they love Tom Holland and Robert Downey Jr. Like those are their two favorite people on the planet. Yeah. And then um they really liked Venom. Most a lot of people that I saw it, like that I know, really liked it.
1: So. Were you meaning to say Tom Hardy that whole time?
3: Oh no, both. Like no, Tom Holland, yeah. like among especially like nineteen to twenty year olds that I know, like especially among like girls, but like a lot of guys, like, yeah, Tom Holland is my Spider Man. Like like an adapt and any adaptation uh, an adaptation or whatever, like people love tom holland they like tom hardy a lot they're like oh that guy from inception um and then they liked the venom movie so
1: i, I think
4: i yeah. love the venom movie uh, it's a guilty pleasure
1: <laughs> yeah it's super ridiculously I, have to see it funny.
3: <laughs> I was like in a bad mood when i saw it like, i was like not wanting to like to like it i was like oh this is i was be in bad. a bad mood when i saw it finn
4: and it made me in a good mood
3: Wow. Isn't that funny
4: how life does it? I know. I know. It's like uh, you, you talk about a fucking twist. You know, I, I want to talk about this. I want to finish up talking about this mid-credits scene. So the video that we see, the big reveal uh that – uh you know they uh, reveal that uh, Peter Parker's Spider Man. They also give us this uh, doctored video of Peter Parker uh, showing. You know we're gonna uh, yeah execute the order. You know for these drones to to, to wreak havoc. Um, how was that video created?
6: I thought that it was when the when the when the, all of the illusions. Went down once Peter got the glasses back. They showed the guy back at, I guess, Mysterio's headquarters pulling like the zip drive, the thumb drive out of the laptop. Yeah. I assume that that guy has now gone and that's where it came from.
4: I am in 100% agreement. It, uh, that character is William Ginter Riva, played by Peter Billingsley. Uh, he was, uh, reintroduced into this movie, uh, since his appearance in Iron Man. He worked under Obadiah Stane. He was the guy who was operating most of the illusions from their base. And he took the USB with all the data at the end of the movie. And um, so I I 100% believe that that group of people still has to be addressed somehow in a future film. Like this group wants to discredit and get revenge on Tony Stark and, you know, because Spider-Man is trying to put an end to them, the group, you know, has taken the first swing and they're using Beck's technology that they, they created this illusion and gave it to this, you know, untrusty, untrustworthy news channel, daily net who would, you know, blow it out of proportion and, and, uh, spin this, web of lies and
1: info wars comparison yeah info
4: wars and makes a good pun by the way brian thank you Web of lies was awesome and uh makes spider-man look like you know like he's a villain a bad guy and um then also make him worry about his uh secret identity here so i think it was definitely william ginter Riva what are the okay what's the backlash what are the consequences to this because here's the thing number one Peter still has access to Edith, so it's not like even after this is revealed. Like you know, you got a sixteen-year-old here who's who's Spider-Man. It's Peter Parker. Everybody knows. Peter still has access to Edith, one hundred percent access to Edith. So he has that working for him. Um, Hmm.
1: he also has the Avengers. That's what I was thinking. Like. There seems like enough solid people that are going to, like, back him up and support yeah. for him. Like, right. this, this is a very fascinating storyline. I'm very interested to see where they go with it. Mm-hmm. But it, it does, like, they, it seems like they do have to answer a lot of questions sure. as to how all of a sudden Peter is so isolated now and treated as, you know, a villain or hated just by, you know, this one guy you going could- on this rant
4: you could still have and like in another movie think about this like you could still have like Thor show up and say you know do a press conference and say yeah you know Peter didn't do any of this Peter's a good guy even 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 old man Cap could show up you know and uh, say you know yeah, you know Peter you know he didn't do any of this or whatever so, any of the Avengers could but that even if they come out and say and they clear Peter's name it still doesn't change the fact that you know, people know now that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, unless they also try to say that that's bullshit. But the thought is still out there. The thought is still out there. People are going to be keeping tabs on where Peter Parker is when Spider-Man shows up. Ooh, where's yeah. Peter Parker? Now, mm-hmm. now, what do you do at that point? Do you get a scroll to play the part of Peter Parker? So, like, does that fix? Ooh. You know, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, there's a lot that they have to explore. Jake, in the comics, when it was revealed, when, when the, like, I'm trying to think, was it Madame Web who had something to
3: do with? Yeah, I think it was that and then Mephisto in One More Day. Yeah. Um, Because they were like, it was an extra thing, I think. I was thinking about that, though, yeah, like, when the they- whole... Strazinsky stuff that would be super interesting. How like in Back in Black, um, they were like they gunned and like they shot May and people are like gunning for Peter's life. Like I think that would be an- to explore in this story too.
1: Yeah, it just it just seems Possibly. so a little far fetched to get to that extreme of a level of things going on. I mean, I guess it's possible, but they need to do more than. What they've done. Like, did they have to fool almost the Avengers that he's a bad guy? I would feel like for this to actually work. Like, it has to be a worldwide kind of ruse that you would make Mm -hmm. multiple people think that Spider Man had gone off his hinges and wasn't to be trusted. You're not,
4: I, I, but yeah, for any writer or anybody involved in Marvel to tell me that they fooled Doctor Strange, you're out of your mind. You've got to fucking tie up Doctor Strange somehow. Doctor Strange in the year 2024 has to be off-world or unavailable because I'm not buying it. That I'm not buying that any of the Avengers think that this 16-year-old that they've fought with and beside in any of these battles, that they're buying that Peter Parker's going to turn on them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no. And Nick Fury's fully aware of, you know, by the end of it, I'm sure – Kalos debriefs to Nick Fury, like what went down. So it's not like he's unaware of this, like, encounter that Spider Man had and how there's now this fictitious report okay. about so, how the events actually unfolded. So here's, like,
4: so here's the, very weird. No, sorry. it is very, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, my mind's running a mile a minute. Here's the thing, like, and are they making this a bigger thing than really what, than what it is? Like, their whole, like, Their whole point of this is to, like, in the next movie, they'll explain, like, oh, the Avengers came out and they said, ah, Peter's a good guy and they, they reveal the truth. Um, and, but the, but the problem still exists. People now know his identity, which puts Peter and his friends and family in danger. And so now Mm -hmm. could this set up villains like Craven, who is like, oh, I've been wondering who this Spider-Man character is. Now I want to hunt him. Or could they say, fuck the Marvel Netflix shit. That shit never never happened in the Marvel Universe. So Vincent D'Onofrio's character never existed with the within the MCU. And we're going to have all these gangs that Peter's been thwarting in New York be a little pissed off. And one guy brings them all together and his name is Kingpin.
1: Yeah, that would be cool. I mean, but the thing that I imagine most likely happening is the scenario where um, the, the Iron Man 1 actor villain is, you know, getting a new figurehead bad guy to help those guys out. Because I, I agree that that's how the information probably got spread. And if that's the case, and this really is a setup for the next story or the next movie, then those guys are going to need someone to actually fisticuff Spider-Man in the face. Mm. So it's, it's them that are going to need to hire a Craven, you know, figure out how to make a Beetle suit, whatever the fuck like, their next plan is to um, try to interfere with Spider-Man. So I, yeah. to me, that, I, as much as I would love the Kingpin idea... I feel like they've already kind of given the signals that that's not where they're going.
4: Stephanie, what are you thinking? Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man, is he a fugitive still? Have the Avengers not been able to convince the public? Or have the Avengers been able to convince the public, but now Spider-Man is kind of like a target for every villain because they all know who he is. He can't go back to school like a regular kid. Here's another thing I want to throw out there. Flash Thompson now knows that his hero is Peter Parker, the guy he hates the most in the world.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's I still that, in denial. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I, I the, I, oh, I love that, Jake.
4: I love that, Jake. Like,
3: yeah, like, I think that it will be like, oh, yeah, the Avengers said that he wasn't him, so we – come on, guys. We know it's not him – But like a lot of like the general public, like you'll hear one thing, like even in news like now, like you'll hear one thing and you'll kind of stick with it and you won't hear like the cleanup about afterwards. You know what I mean? Like you'll, someone will come out with like an allegation against someone and that like taints their career, even if it wasn't true. Mm -hmm. So I think that that could be like, or flash could be like, oh no, trust me. There's no way that this is like, there's no way that my hero could be this guy. You know what I mean? Like, I think that'll be interesting because, like, yes, the government officials and everyone will know that it's not true. But, like, the your mom and pop that it, watch the news every once in a while hear this one time. You know what I mean? Do
1: you I, think Flash will have a bit of a face turn and actually help Peter knowing he's Spider-Man at some point now with this knowledge? Or is it just complete hatred? I think that'd be awesome. I think yeah, it'd I, think, be I like- think it would be awesome, too.
3: Like, oh, hey, um, he's definitely not Spider Man. Wink, wink. Like, he knows the truth, but he won't say it for his pride, kind of thing.
1: Yeah, right? it just, it just anyway, like, ne- instead of like denying the truth, just eventually when he comes to terms with it, he actually like, you know, kind of has that good moment where he does a favor for Peter to help him get away from a cop or a villain or a, a whoever.
3: Yeah, there was a really sad joke in Far From Home, by the way, or it wasn't even a joke. It was like a moment where they were like, he was like, oh. Could mom, like mom, could mother not come or whatever? And it was like his. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like his driver. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah. Okay. Here's that was the thing. So sad. They set that
4: up earlier in the movie. Uh, I caught this upon second viewing. At the end of the movie, when his driver shows up to pick him up, he's like, "Oh, mother couldn't make it." There was at the beginning of the movie when Peter is using the Edith glasses to see what his other kids are texting uh, other kids on the bus are texting one of the texts that Flash Thompson sends was to his mother and it says I haven't heard from father in weeks that's so sad oh and so like it, like if you don't read that at the end of the movie like that scene doesn't really like make a ton of sense and I guess it's supposed to be a joke but it didn't it's another one another case J- Jake where the jokes didn't land Right. Cause like yeah. everything flashing on the screen during that whole Edith introduction, which again, I loved that scene where like it was going to kill Brad. I thought that was pretty fucking hilarious, but Stephanie, I want to know your thoughts on all this stuff.
6: Uh, I don't in the next movie. I definitely don't see the Avengers vouching for Peter and his uh, vouching that he's uh, he, that he's not a bad guy. These Marvel movies do—they're very—they're—they're they're kind of known for being com- uh, very convenient. Like when there's a there's something's gonna gonna destroy the world for some reason, the Avengers whose movie we're watching, uh, and a lot of times like you wonder like why didn't Nick Fury send Captain Marvel or Thor or whoever. Um, and so I think conveniently they will probably be missing. And if they do show up to vouch for him, it will be at the very end. I think he'll probably spend most of the movie as a fugitive, trying to fight for fight for his good name. And there'll be some MJ c- conflict because she's gonna she saw the video, and so she's gonna need to be convinced that that's not really what happened. I think a villain, like you said, will take advantage of the scenario. I, I think,
4: think MJ pretty- will know because she saw the illusions. She saw that projector. She saw that projector. Yes. Remember, there was that scene, and it was odd to me the first time I watched the movie, where Spider-Man thwipped his web, and it hit almost like what was like a force field. And I was like, what is that? And that's the moment where he ripped that projector off, and it flew past MJ in the movie. And then she presented him with the projector, so she knows about this illusion technology. I think that... Characters like Ned and MJ are 100 going to be backing Peter. They know Peter.
6: So, do you think that the, the when the camera pans to her after the, the that news story flashes on them in the mid credit scene, do you think that's the look that she has is not? I can't believe you would do that. It's more like you're fucked. I like, think the this look, is not going to be good.
4: Number one, it's you're fucked, and number two, in the movie, she admits that she has this obsession with telling the truth, even though it hurts people. And right now she's watching a news broadcast that she knows 100% is telling a lie and it's pissing her off and it's hurting someone she loves. Gotcha. That makes sense.
3: So does that make sense guys? Hmm. Jay? Yeah. I was following that. Yeah. I'm very excited for the next one. Like afterwards I was like, Oh, this movie was great. I don't know what they're going to do next. And now I'm like, Yes, because it reminds me of, like, this episode from one of my favorite cartoons, the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon. Uh, I know this sounds really dumb, but there was an episode where like Venom, like, goes to the Daily Bugle and basically gets on TV and says, Peter Parker is Spider-Man, and the next episode is, like, intercut the whole time with, like, cop kind of, like, interrogations or, like, interviews with Peter Parker, like, trying – or with or with people he knows saying, like, oh, no, there's no way Peter Parker could. And, like, although it would explain some things, and it's, like, it, little tidbits of, like, each character – in that episode and like why they think Peter Parker couldn't be Spider-Man. And it's, I, I'm interested to see that kind of like scenarios with like other people that be like, oh, I serve subs to this kid every day at the deli. There's no way he could be, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I love that. This movie did the exact same thing with
4: like following up on how like the world felt about the death of Iron Man, which with Jake, that was one of those things where like, I really wanted to see how the world reacted to the death of Iron Man. This movie did deliver on that.
1: No, yeah, I agree. I, I talked about that in my review. Like, as far as like yeah. building the world of post Iron Man, like that stuff, I, I was fine with. But
4: like, what what Finn's saying here about no, and I, I didn't mean to bring it back. No, to I, know that. Didn't, yeah. I know you didn't. I know you didn't. I like what Finn's saying too. I love like, what he's saying.
1: Like, and, and not just maybe one viewpoint. Like, it'd be nice to see like both sides of the story. Like, also see people that say this for sure has to be the truth. Just so how. Divided. Flash
4: Thompson uh, saying, There's no way Peter Parker's Spider Man. Spider Man's too cool. Blah 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 blah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I um the Flash Thompson stuff, I, I think he is fantastic casting. Yeah. Um it, it makes me sad that it's basically just jokes. Like I really do think the next movie and the exploration of what Flash thinks of this better be treated as more than just one or two funny jokes. I want the jokes about it. But I think this is the perfect time to have, you know, some good Flash stuff. And I really would like to see him tied closer to Peter and eventually actually become a friend of Peter and get drawn into the world of superheroes himself, honestly.
4: That'd be cool. Like another man on the chair and then like have more of a relationship with Ned, too. And I don't know. I did enjoy him and his live streaming and them (laughs) when they got on that first bus with Dimitri. He's like, yeah, here I am. (laughs) private bus with my boy dimitri i was just like oh my god i fucking love this kid he's fucking hey here's another thing jake have you ever seen the richard grieco movie if looks could kill
1: oh for sure definitely
4: every time they got a new bus and a new form of transportation they had a different driver in that movie and that's what happened here the first one was nick fury's agent dimitri and the second one was uh was it gunter it was like Gunter or whatever that – that guy that was – Gutenberg or whatever that guy was working for uh, fucking uh, Quentin Beck. I was – it reminded me if – and that was a European trip with with high schoolers with a 30-year-old Richard Grieco pretending to be like he was 17. Remember like If Looks Could Kill? I, it felt like oh, yeah. that was pulled directly from If Looks Could Kill. Every time they got new transportation, there was a new driver I don't know. And That's- it was
1: great casting, too. Like, the pe- the people were instantly recognizable as, like, you know, monitors or, like, Ugh. what they were. Like, you never questioned, like, who the driver was, like, yeah. in- in- intel for. Like, you knew what was going on there.
4: Finn, would you rather see a Disney Plus series of Loki or Dimitri? <laughs> what about... Okay, hear me out. No, Wait, Mike, you got to answer my fucking okay. question. First of all, Loki or all. Dimitri? What about... Okay. No, not Dimitri, what about? The,
3: okay. Not what about, Finn? <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> you got to answer my question then you can then you can Dimitri, bring that up. Dimitri's kind of nice, man. Dimitri's kind of it's kind of intimidating. I'd like to see him like kind of like a John Wick style Disney Plus series. Oh yeah.
4: no, okay. shit, dude, I love it, dude. I love it. Yeah. All right, what were
3: you saying? Let, hear me out. If Loki's could kill Mm, best of both worlds. Get Loki, Dimitri, buddy cop movie, traveling around, driving people places. You know what I'm oh saying? Oh, my God.
4: There was the rumor that Tom Hiddleston was in the running to play James Bond. And you just said if Lokis could kill and you're throwing Dimitri into the fucking mix, Finn, I could kiss you, you son of a bitch. That's fucking
3: brilliant. <laughs> Honestly, man, we're such a good team. We just think of the best ideas, honestly. Dude, that is fucking amazing. I'm telling you, Jake, Finn gives me hope for the future.
1: Yeah. Thank you, man. It, it is, it is very hopeful. You don't hear too many people his age, uh, <laughs> champion Spider-Man 3.
4: <laughs> Finn, you're, dude, you are, god damn it, I, I'm telling you, you are, you're an amazing kid. You're, I hate to say kid,
3: you're a goddamn adult i am a man you're now. a grown I 19- man <laughs> i am a 90s kid i was born in november of 1999 i experienced the whole
1: decade de- <laughs> i know exactly i think was- i just heard the first hair pop out of Vince's chest right there
3: <laughs> <laughs> you guys heard me since what i've been listening since i was 13 now i'm 19 you know i mean i'm just growing up wow. I'm a man now that's, that's
1: insane.
4: but i appreciate
3: the sentiment i love you guys
4: yeah <laughs> no we love having you on Um, I want to get to the, uh, cause I know, Finn, I know you got to leave soon. Um, I do Mm want to get to the post credit scene. I I do want to talk about some things that I did tease earlier. Um, we got the, this post credit scene and in the post credit scene, we get, um, uh, the scrolls, uh, Talos and Soren are revealed to be uh pretend they're they're revealed to be masquerading as fury and hill this whole time um and here's the thing this this post credit scene verifies this theory that was posed on reddit that was actually introduced in Captain Marvel Jake we've talked about this i, I sent you a message about this earlier i didn't want to go in the, in on this alone i wanted somebody else to know about this theory that's been floating around for a while and the theory is that nick fury was a scroll this was a this was a theory that was been floating around on reddit for a while now um talos has been serving as an ambassador to fill in for fury while uh Fury seems to be overseeing, you know, the Captain Marvel Cosmic Avenger level missions. So after the events of the first Avengers movie, when he knew the team was assembled, the real Nick Fury went to space and left Talos in his place. And this explains why Fury is eating diagonally cut toast in Age of Ultron. Let me explain this. In the movie, Captain Marvel, when Carol Danvers is quizzing Nick Fury because she doesn't know if he's a scroll or not. And she asks him a question that only the real Nick Fury would know. And not just like a broad question, like a very specific thing about his personality. Because scrolls only know broad things about people when they turn into them. She wanted to know something very specific, something very random. And he tells her that he can't eat toast that's been cut diagonally. So when you watch the movie Avengers Age of Ultron and they're in Hawkeye's farmhouse, there's a scene where Nick Fury slices his toast diagonally. So You're
6: absolutely right. I forgot.
4: Post Avengers, everything post Avengers is that Talos as Nick Fury? Now John Watts, the director, has done interviews and has gone on the record and said, "No, that's not the case." That the only time that uh, Nick Fury uh, Talos is Nick Fury is in this movie. Well, they could retcon that, Jake. Like I feel like. I feel like the the Nick Fury that we're watching in Age of Ultron is Talos. That's why he's cutting it diagonally.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. This is too on the nose to be an unintentional accident. Like the, the Captain Marvel sandwich line would not have gone without research. There's no way that the you know, the heads of figuring out all this Marvel continuity were not aware of what they were putting out there into the, you know, the ephosphere with that with this plot line. Like it's I agree with you 100% that that was Talos in Age of Ultron and that everyone was aware of what they were doing when they wrote that Captain Marvel line in the first place.
2: So
4: my question to you, to Stephanie, to Finn, the Nick Fury that is taken in the decimation, the snap, the blip, was that Talos or was that the Nick Fury... Like the Nick Fury.
1: I think it might've been Talos. Um, Cause ta- it's not like Talos doesn't have a plot connection to Captain Marvel as well. And wouldn't think of her as someone to call in that kind of emergency. So you- er, er, go ahead, Stephanie.
6: No, no, I'm sorry, Jake.
1: I was going to say Nick Fury also could have easily handed off the device knowing that he was going to have no need for it doing whatever secret mission he's been doing that we eventually uncover.
4: Well, he wouldn't have to use the device if he's up in space and hanging out with uh, Captain Marvel in the first place. See, yeah. I That's,
6: thought they established... Okay, so my I was going to say I thought it was the actual Nick Fury because I would assume that Based on the relationship that we we eventually saw that he established with Captain Marvel that he wouldn't give the device away, that he would keep that pager on him because it'd be have to be like a a crazy level event for her to, for him to have to page her in the first place. I don't know if would he hand that off. That's the only reason I would say that, that Yeah, would but be, yeah.
1: He, if he's, Oh if man, he, the more I think about it, the more I'm almost certain it was Talos now.
4: It, it, he's on a space station he's on a space station with Skrulls I mean he would have instant access to her from that space station it's, it's look at
1: it's the look Earth at the Maria ba- Hill of it all like that can't be like the fact that it's them two together at the end of Infinity War when that happens too like they're just it's conveniently Maria Hill and Nick Fury buddy copping around again and that's not Talos
4: it's Soren and Talos
1: yeah, a hundo. I, I think that's the big tell, the fact that it's the two of them in, in you know, in yeah, together at the end of the movie.
4: Does Talos, is he the one that says, mother That's totally like that's what made me think,
1: like, is that Nick Fury <laughs> or is that I mean, is that you're... more Samuel Jackson? I mean, if we're establishing that Talos has been impersonating. Nick Fury since Age of Ultron the first lesson I think you learn when you're impersonating a Sam Jackson character is how to drop an (laughs) F-bomb in an appropriate moment fair enough dude
3: like I'm shook right now that's crazy the idea that I hope that that's the case I really do hope that it was Talos and that you get uh, the fact that it was it wasn't the real Nick Fury this whole time that like little easter egg is Mm -hmm. I'd never heard about that before that is crazy that's awesome. I mean, yeah, that's crazy. Fucking that's,
1: toast. And Brian, I'm sorry to interrupt you earlier. I just got so excited thinking about the Maria Hill of it all. And yeah, that. yeah, if she's if they're right there together, like who the fuck else could it be?
4: Okay, so we got Fury in space now monitoring aliens. Is this the creation of Sword from the comics? So Sword in the comics is Sentient World Observation and Response Department. They are a counterterrorism and intelligence agency whose purpose is to deal with extraterrestrial threats to world security. And they are the space based counterpart of shield, which deals with local threats to the world. I 100% think that this is the creation of sword. Um, This is just like fury in the comics to be kind of like a few steps ahead of everyone like it's a game of chess like we thought that he was still involved in shield he was involved in the blip not the case fury is 10 steps ahead of everybody else he's already started sword he's monitoring uh the the, the uh, he's monitoring space now it's not just uh, shield which is earth-based he's now it's it's now a cosmic thing um and um i also want to point this go ahead jake
1: Oh, I just, uh, God, the more I think about it, the more it's just 100%. And to me, it all explains the answer that, oh, I'm sorry, I'm brain farting on the Far From Home director's name. John Watts. John. It explains his answer because it's one of those things where they have to maintain the lie and they're just going to swing hard one way or the other. And yeah. so he's just going to stand on the fence of, this is the only time it was ever Talos. Because he literally can't say anything else, because anything else gives away a major plot point. Yeah. Like he's, yeah, he, know, I think he's sure. knowingly lying. Yeah. Like well, for a minute, I was confused which was happening—whether he was just mistaken and wrong and not clued into this information, yeah—or whether he was, you know, playing along with the joke oh, too. And I, I'm convinced he's playing along.
4: Too. He's gone to the uh, Joe and Anthony Russo school of lying, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like he knows if you, you can't say anything, it's best to just not say anything at all. Right. That's basically what he's mm-hmm. doing. By he's he could say that this is the only time Nick Fury was Talos, or, or vice versa, and then when they reveal that later, it's still a reveal. He's not allowed. Well, well, no, actually, you'll find out in later movies that all this mm-hmm. stuff was going on. Right, and y- you saying the sword stuff, I man, I completely agree with that too. And that's what, it's that kind of big thing that would lead to that type of secrecy. Like you're not going to let that cat out of the bag until you let that cat out of the bag. And so yeah, uh, that's yeah. really cool. I'm a huge fan of the whole sword storyline too. Um, as much as I love the idea of the re-smartening of Nick Fury and making him, Seemingly a lot more intelligent than we thought he was in the last few movies. Like I, that's fantastic. I still hope we get a uh, agent brand out of all of this because she is one of my favorite Marvel six one six characters. So, yeah, oh, man. How yeah. you're talking
3: about them like lying and stuff? I please lie to me if it's helping keep a surprise. Like yeah. if you're if you're like oh, but they they lied to us. They totally said that that wasn't dude. Like they can say whatever they want. Mm. I if, if I'm surprised and it's like an act like that. J- J.K. Simmons stuff was like shocking, and we don't really get like moments like that like anymore. So like, if you're trying to keep things under wrap, under wraps, like lie to me, I'm I'm fine with it.
1: Yeah, yeah and, and and games proven that they'll go through some some crazy links to uh, hide what's really going on as far as the plot in one of their movies. John
4: so. John Watts has already said that he that he feels like his next big his next movie is not going to be like an independent movie. It's going to be another big movie. I think that he's sticking around for Spider Man three whatever yeah
1: yeah i agree doing three movies just seems like the way the way to do it yeah
4: yeah i i read it i i uh actually purchased the uh sci-fi world magazine off the rack that had the spider-man you know a uh, story in it and it was it was a just an interview with john watts and i really like the guy I, oh I, a
1: I, new magazine you bought
4: yeah yeah oh. yeah
1: I thought you were telling some tale of more there.
4: No, no, this is like a new mag. I I've, I haven't bought a magazine in like years, dude. And uh, I saw Sci-Fi World, and I was like, oh, you know, I'll check this out. And it had an article about that yesterday movie, and had an article about uh, Spider-Man. I was like, you know, they're interviewing the director, and I checked it out. He sounds. I I, I really like John Watts. I think he's a. I think he's a cool dude. I liked what he had to say. Um, earlier in the uh, episode, I teased what the next big event for Marvel could be. This is where I kind of break it down. I, I think that there, there's a line in this movie, and it happens so quickly, and I didn't hear it until my third viewing of the film. It's right after we see the kids in London at the airport when they're going home, it cuts to Nick Fury and it's Nick Fury Talos. And he's talking with Maria Hill Soren. And very quickly he says something about, and I don't know if you guys heard this. Did you hear him talk about Cree sleeper cells?
1: No, no I did
4: not catch that. No. It's, it's a, such a quick line. He says something about Cree sleeper cells, so it looks like the next big event, whether it be an Avengers event, or the next Captain Marvel movie here I, and I don't know. And the reason I'm, I'm saying that the next big event could be invasion, but with the Cree Empire invading and the Scrolls being our allies in that war. So just like Captain America had just like Captain America had civil war, that means Captain Marvel 2 or 3 could bring us invasion. I wanted to point this out. But you're saying to yourself, oh the Cree are blue. No 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 no. In the MCU there are two different versions of the Cree that we learn about in Captain Marvel. The blue and the pink Cree. Uh we've got the blue Cree They're part of the original Cree bloodline, but we learned that there are fewer of the Blue Cree. So, to keep their race strong, there's the Pink Cree, and the Pink Cree look like Earth's humans. And they're a result of the Blue Cree breeding with other alien races so they could continue their genetically dying race and evolve as a species and not die out. So, the Pink Cree. Are actually physically stronger than the Blue Cree, but in the chain of like status, they're still regarded as lesser Cree. They were actually slaves at one point. So, since they look just like us humans, the Blue Cree may have sent the Pink Cree to Earth to infiltrate us and. They sent them right after the blip happened, when people returned from the blip, and with all the chaos that the government is going through, not noticing, you know, like all these people that have come back, that would be a perfect time for the Pink Cree to start their invasion, and that's also probably why Nick Fury is in space monitoring everything that's going on as and has started SWORD.
5: Jake, thoughts?
1: Yeah, man, I love it. Um, It's fantastic. Um, One of the things that kind of came to me after sleeping on this movie the next day was as much as I liked that post-credit sequence, it was kind of the final nail into the coffin of expecting a secret invasion storyline in the way we knew it in the comics. Like, that's over. And and not that I'm too upset about that because exactly what you're saying is going on rather than kind of do that angle what we're doing here is the classic you know Cree versus Scroll angle you know that was big in Marvel in the early 70s and you know up into the late 80s that was kind of one of the big events that would always rock Avengers and Fantastic Four were these two going at each other and I really like the idea of them doing it as a slow build here something that's being drug across a few movies before we have the all-out repercussions of that I think this kind of thing deserves that kind of slow burn and handling and would come across as not very dramatic or sincere if we just tried to unload all of that plot information in just one Captain Marvel movie or one Fantastic Four movie or one Avengers movie. And yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, I agree that there's a high chance of all of that stuff happening. And honestly, I would applaud that plot turn.
4: Here's the thing. Will it be the next Avengers event or will this be kind of like Captain America colon civil war where it would be Captain Marvel colon invasion.
1: I think that works, honestly. I, I, I really, I don't think it's quite big enough to be an Avengers titled movie. I think the idea of Captain Marvel, colon, invasion is a, a very good idea. My first thought was that this would really come to a kind of crescendo in a Captain Marvel movie, mm-hmm. and that's where it deserves to happen at. That's where the scrolls have been the right. most like, relatable and humanized and identifiable characters, and I think their payoff deserves to happen in a Captain Marvel movie. I'm with you.
4: Here's the thing, and the the reason I agree with you is because the character is Captain... First off, Captain America. Now, who's kind of, like, taken over? Captain Marvel. Like, it just... It fits. Like, she's, like, the new tactician, like, the new leader, you know, of... We don't know what's going on with the Avengers, but we'll find out. And I, I think it makes sense. Finn, I know you got to leave soon, dude. I know you got to leave yeah. soon. Do, do you have one moment? We got other things that we're going to go over that you're not going to be around for. Sure. But do you have one moment for me to go over what I promised at the beginning of the episode with my fa- ready, man. with my Fantastic Four T's? I'm
3: I dude, you've teased me, man. It's got me wanting, and I, I think I'm ready. I'm ready for the payoff. You, so. you are gonna be so ready for this. This is fucking awesome, Jake. I don't know if
4: any of you guys caught this, but this is fucking incredible. Did any of you catch the Fantastic Four tease before I talk about it? Don't give me the tease, but just say yes or no. I don't
6: think I no. do. No,
4: all right. Peter is swinging through New York with MJ at the end of the movie. Like it's a cute little Spider-Man MJ date. And then he drops her off. Remember that scene? It's Mm -hmm. the first Mm -hmm. mid, uh, no, it's right before the mid credit scene. He drops her off and he's, he's, here's the thing. He's in front of the newly sold Avengers tower building that Tony put up for sale. Like, like, Jake, we, we speculated after Homecoming, like, where you see... In that movie, in Homecoming, you see that the old Avengers Tower is for sale. And we speculated, like, who is going to be purchasing this building? Is it going to be Norman Osborn? Will it be Oscorp? But we also said, like, this could be the new Baxter building. And this could set up the Fantastic Four. And here's the clue in the movie... When you watch it, I'm telling you everybody, watch the movie again. Look behind MJ. There's an advertisement on the wall. There's like an advertisement behind her and it's in that scene. It's an, it's an, it's a kind of like a, it's teasing the new development for that building and it says, we're excited to show you what comes next. But like in between the words, it's got like, you know, it says, like, we are, one, excited to show to you what comes next. You know, uh, oh. and it's got these numbers in there in between that phrase. We are excited to show you what comes next. But the last, instead of having, and it says one, two, three, instead of having the last, like, the numbers are in circles, too. But the last thing, instead of having a number, it has a question mark. And that question mark is where the four would be. And I don't I, – uh, I, in, in the universe, it's saying like, you know, we're excited to show you what comes next about the development of this building. But if you're looking this at this from like a Marvel fan, this is Marvel Studios telling moviegoers that are watching this movie that they're excited to show us what comes next – and part of that is the Fantastic Four. One, two, three, question mark, four? This is the fucking Baxter building that's being put up here. I- I'm telling you, Jake, I'm, I'm, I am... I'm. N- am. Hold on. Like, MJ, I am 67% sure that this is the Baxter building.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, uh, those kind of things seem very calculated to me. That, that could be no accident. If what you're describing is, is what was there, then that is completely intentional, and I, w- I would i agree with you what else could it be dude
3: brian you're blowing my mind here <laughs> i gotta go like see it again like tomorrow yeah Man, this is great i was oh, i just want give me the fantastic four give me the X- like come on please we're we're dying and then you get these little hints at the end of far from home which is already like one of my favorite end credits credit sequences period then you get this bomb dropped yeah. hello i am so excited that's cra- how do you even did you find this online or did you just notice this like, how'd even? Oh,
4: this whole thing? This is something that we've been talking about. And when I watched it in real 3D, I saw. I started. When, the thing is, Finn, when you start watching these movies so many times, by my second and third time, I'm taking notes and I'm looking at things. Like, I'm looking at things in the background because I've already seen it like one or two times. Like, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. And I read that, and I was like, okay, could that be what I think it is? And so then I started digging around online. And, like, other people had come up with this before I had. So it's like, this is nothing new. so crazy. But it is something that I noticed in the movie.
3: Dude, I I really hope, I hope that's true. Sorry, Stephanie, I didn't mean to cut you off.
6: No, you're fine. Do you think that, I mean, that's super exciting. Do you think that that would mean we're we'd be seeing them uh, the fantastic four if the, if the fact is true and it sounds like it, it could be a good uh, uh, like a like a hint that's been being dropped that we would see them sooner rather than later
4: they're going to we're going to I think we're Jake I think we're going to see them Stephanie Finn I think we're going to see them before the X-Men so I think Agreed. like I I don't know if this is going to be like at San Diego Comic-Con like I don't know if this is going to be an announcement made at San Diego Comic-Con Um, They are returning to Hall H this year. They are returning to Hall H, but we don't know if it's theatrical announcements or just Disney Plus shows.
5: Mm. Gotcha.
1: Do you think that this is an Easter egg of plot or this is actually like what we see next will this will hold up with this Easter egg? Like, you know what I'm saying? Is this just a nod or is this the legit foreshadowing?
4: I think this is legit foreshadowing. I don't know. I don't know how far off we are from Fantastic 4. Jake, if I had to guess, Fantastic 4 is not going to be coming before Doctor Strange 2, and Doctor Strange 2 is slated to come out in 2022. Okay? So I still think that we're quite a ways away from seeing the Fantastic 4. But I I, th- I think this is on the horizon. That I think Avengers Tower is
3: going to be the Baxter building. Yeah, I buy it. I hope so. I really hope so. I really want to see it. I want, like... And I don't want to keep bringing up people my age, but, like, even a lot of comic fans I know, and it, me included, like, most people are not that well-versed into the Fantastic Four. Like, I've read some of the Hickman stuff and yeah, some yeah. of FF and stuff, and I really liked it. But, like, it's not, like, the most household thing anymore for like especially for younger like comic fans that have never seen a good fantastic four movie so like the idea of a good actually a good representation in the mcu is just a dream i would i would love that yeah i i really Uh. hope that we
4: i really hope that we jake do okay san diego comic-con this year man if i had like there's got it's not dude is it are we just gonna get black widow movie announcement guardians of the Ugh. galaxy volume three <laughs> announcement shang chi announcement uh dude they've gotta have something that blows our socks off here like there's gotta I be that. there's gotta you know, be the
1: implications of a hall h and what you're doing i agree with that
4: captain marvel 2 black panther 2 we get it like I, i'm excited for all these movies don't get me wrong I want to see all these movies, but we got to get something new. I got to get like, I mean, like I don't think we're going to get a Namor movie. I I, I do believe that Namor will probably be the villain in Black Panther two. There was a tease for for Namor in uh, Endgame, so I, I do think Namor is coming. Um, not in a dirty way. <laughs> No, Um, I agree with that. Namor,
3: stop it. (laughs)
4: Dirty, (laughs) dirty man,
3: Yo, would you say that Namor is getting people wet? Question mark? (laughs) I'm I'm telling you, I've learned from the best with all these puns. I've got it. It's all good.
4: Finn, your name is something associated with the water. Oh your jokes are getting me wet.
3: Um you know <laughs> oh. that was that was
4: good. Okay, Brian. Okay. That was that was good. <laughs> that was funny, Finn. I'm I'm upset that I didn't think about that. I hate it when Tim, somebody says a joke before me. That was good, Finn. Um that, I appreciate it. I'll take it. Finn, I know you gotta go. Do you gotta go?
3: Yeah, I probably should balance. I gotta be up early tomorrow. All right. Finn, thank you so much, dude. Dude, thanks so much for having me. I look forward to these. And I got it. I don't know if 2017 um, was the last time I was on here. But I got to do it again sooner than rather than later. We got to I really you.
4: enjoy it. We got to have you back on. You just – you know what? You send me a message and you say, Brian you, – dude, you send me a fucking message whenever. And you say, Brian, when can you get me on? And I'll throw you out a bunch of dates and we'll find a date to get
3: you on. How about that? Dude, let's do it. I appreciate it. Seriously, talking to you guys has been – the highlight of my week so far so i really appreciate talking to you guys i love it always finn and thanks so much for sharing your theories absolutely hey where can people find you i know you do the
4: shutterbugs podcast when are you going to record again yep.
3: oh dude it's been we were actually trying to record it today yeah um but i rescheduled because i'm here um we might do it either tomorrow or monday but we've go. been people have been graduating oh not graduating people have been like getting out of like closing finishing semesters of high school i just finished my first semester of college so now that it's summertime and i'm working two and a half jobs this has been kind of everywhere like up in the air but we're really trying to record again soon because we love doing it i want to hear you
4: talk about stranger things season three
3: that's got to happen yeah i yeah i'm very excited too and i also i really like talking about comics especially with what's going on with spider-man life story Mm. and like amazing spider-man stuff which are two incredible runs so far there you go but, yeah, yeah, so find me uh, at Finn Aiden on Instagram. I think I'm Finn Dietz Creek, capital F, capital D on Twitter. Um, I don't really tweet much. But if you do want to find me on probably my favorite social media, I'm uh, ad living right now so I can pull it up so I can remember my actual username. You could add me um, at uh, – what is it? It is – I think it's um, Finn Aiden on Letterboxd where I review, movie, where I review, review movies – and uh, rank them and rate them and stuff like that. I know Brian's on there already, but am, yeah. uh, if you're if you're not on there already, it's so much fun. I love hearing what everyone's favorite movies are, and you should follow me there too. I'd follow Finn
4: it. on Instagram. Follow him on Letterbox. It's a it's a free app you can download, and it's Letterbox. Uh L e t t e r b o x d. There's no e at the end there, people. Mm. Uh And Finn Aiden is F i n n A i d
3: e n. So follow A i d a n. Oh my god! Wow, you were dude, you were flawless. <laughs> you. I was like, I was. I'm wait. I was like, man, how is he? How's he getting it right? Like, I went to my conference today. I looked at my poll list. They had my last name spelled wrong. I was so disappointed. I'm over here with Brian. Brian's getting all my names right. You know it's final homes. Up. You know, what's,
4: you know what's fucked up, Finn? Is like in that moment when I had to like choose either E or A, it was a 50-50 moment and I, and I chose wrong, I chose poorly. I felt like that fucking guy who r- drank from the wrong goblet at the end of the last crusade and my hair grew out and I got all old and shit and I f- started to like, you know, fall apart
3: and I died. Hey man, you look young to me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Finn. Right. Thank all you, th- Finn, for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. Okay, I'll catch you guys later. Thank you. All right, later, dude. Later, Finn.
4: Bye. Bye. All right, so yeah, we talked about uh, Fantastic Do you guys want to take one more break before uh, I talk about what we have in store, possibly? These were quotes from John Watts and Kevin Feige about what we have in store for the uh, third Spider-Man movie.
1: I would love a quick break.
5: Let's do it
4: do that break. We'll take a quick break and we'll come right back and we'll talk about that. Be right back.
2: Hi. I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame and I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here, too, one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day, you, too, will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight in Dan and yogurt, and the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that PopCultureLeftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient. Just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth.
4: All right, we are back and we are without Finn. But you know what? His memory will not be forgotten. He did. I love Finn.
1: No, Finn's Finn's great. He, I yeah. mean, he is a talker. There is never a uh, no problem with dead air when <laughs> Finn is on VCL.
4: I love that kid. I fucking love him. He's so, he, God, he, I, I me saying like he gives me hope for the future is not a joke. Like I mean that one hundred percent. I've always loved this kid.
1: He's fantastic. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Ben's like the PCL, the PCL adopted child. Yeah,
4: absolutely. Here is my question before I get into uh, you know teases for Spider Man three and like what was said by Feige and uh, John Watts. Is Mysterio really dead? Stephanie is Mysterio really dead? Edith seemed to confirm this information, and in saying that he was dead. Is Mysterio dead?
6: I say yes. I think, yes oh No, yes, go ahead. Yes. Go
4: ahead. Finish your thought.
6: I think the... I I think if he's not dead, that to me would read as like a cheap... I don't even know what the word would be, but like I don't... If Yeah, he's, he even confirmed that he was dead. They, they played out that whole scene with him like taking his left breath and like talking in these like bated breaths. I think Mysterio's dead. For me, it would make it interesting if now we're kind of chasing the character whose name I forgot that was from Iron Man One. If he's now rogue, gone rogue with this information and he's kind of acting as his as his proxy now that he's gone. I like that better than Mysterio coming back. Or not being dead rather. Uh, but his name is Mysterio. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was hard to not be disappointed when Mysterio seemingly died. I mean, as much as I complained on, on this podcast about how much they tied him into the Tony, the Tony Stark stuff, I it would have been interesting to see what more they could have done with the character. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal did give a fantastic performance. I wouldn't have minded seeing more of him. Um, you could have grounded this into like this adventure alone gives the character of Mysterio a personal reason to dislike Peter Parker slash Spider-Man at this point. So you kind of created the history, but then the second you create the history, you seemingly kill the character. So that was kind of a hard blow. Um, But I do, I guess, lean towards what Stephanie's saying, where I do think that the character is probably deceased, that we won't see him again. Though, I mean, if any character could fake it. It would be this one.
4: I am going to say that he's not dead.
1: <laughs> dun 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 dun
4: <laughs> dun,
5: dun,
4: dun. I and, and I have no reason. I and there's nothing in this movie. Like it, it's not like this movie leaves this bread trail crumb showing you like he's still alive. I am just. I am just basically. I I'm saying that he's still there. For somehow, this character is still alive. He's still alive. I, that's all I'm gonna say. I'm just. I
1: don't think Jake Gyllenhaal's above coming
4: back. No, he is not. Walking Phoenix, and I'm just a one movie guy, and I'm done.
6: So you're saying you don't think he's dead? I don't. Is that your preference? Like, if you could, if if you, if in a perfect world, would he not be dead? Or that's just your assumption based on the movie?
4: In a perfect world, the character of Mysterio, his name is Mysterio, (laughs) is not dead. Like, like, okay, do do, you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? I pick
6: up what you're putting down.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Like, his name is fucking Mysterio and he's not dead. And that's mysterious as fuck, right?
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Just like I was saying, it was a blow to have him die. Yeah, yeah. If it was my choice, I would want him to come back. But I don't know. My gut says you won't.
4: So many times in some of these movies, everybody's like, oh, it is such a fitting death. Such a fitting death. It would be a shame to see this character come back after such a fitting death. His name is Mysterio. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just throw that out there? Like, like. I'm not saying that he is, like, I am not 100% sure that he is no. still alive, okay? I am, I am basically MJ and saying I'm 67% sure, or I 67% want him to still be alive. Uh, <laughs> I, no, I am 67% sure that he is still alive, and I think that this is another illusion. I, I think when you have a character named Mysterio, <laughs> and I hope that... I, 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 Jake, I...
1: The, the Edith stuff would have to be a red herring, but I don't think they're... I don't think that's too far-fetched either. Like, this isn't hard. It's. I agree with you that it's not a stretch to have him still be alive. It's not like the shock of the century by right. any means whatsoever. Yeah, Okay.
6: I, Theory though, yeah. If he is, let's say he's not dead, yeah. Doesn't that not play into? I think you had mentioned this earlier. Into if he comes back, he's still going to have that same that that Tony Stark connection, that vendetta he's got to become. He said, I think he said in the movie, like the next Iron Man, you would have to then continue that, which is what I mean. Like somebody like me would prefer that that kind of link to Tony Stark kind of be cut and so a Spider-Man becomes a Spider-Man thing unless he's just upset with Spider-Man for killing him. I'm using air quotes.
1: It's a good reason to be upset at someone, to be fair.
6: True, (laughs) true, true. Fair enough, fair enough.
4: Yeah, the world believes that he's dead. So if he comes back, it would have to be after Spider-Man has cleared his name and he just doesn't give a shit now. Like, now, like, I couldn't ruin this guy's life.
1: You know he could be physically hurt too at this point like he could be whatever happened to him he could have been in some way disabled from this fight and that could lead to a lot of bitter feelings too you know you know
4: what else i loved about his character is that even though even in the physical world when he wasn't using the illusion his fx suit was still had the fishbowl helmet yes (laughs) wasn't that cool
1: it was it was cool. It was they they, cool. they did such a great job with the character design and the special effects of it all.
4: And I love Janice, the woman who was steaming his cape the oh, entire movie. My fan.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he almost became very Bond ish by the end of it all, right? It was almost like he, he was like a good villain in the way that you could kind of relate with why he would be so upset. Yeah. But then by the end of it. Like he had almost, it was almost a self-fulfilling prophecy where he'd kind of become the same kind of jerk he was rebelling against.
4: Yeah. 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 I like that. That's very cool. Yeah. What I loved about that whole like Janice steam in the cape thing and he didn't like want to actually like wear the suit. Yeah. But in real life, like we've heard from like set visits and from the producers that Jake Gyllenhaal loved wearing the Mysterio suit. (laughs) Like, they couldn't get him out of it. Like, they were worried that he was going to be, like, this big-time actor that didn't want to be in the suit. And come to find out, like, Jake Gyllenhaal, like, fucking adored that suit. Loved being in the suit. And I love that about the character, that the character did not want to be in the suit, that it was CG for the most part. And I was just like, that is, when you think about that kind of shit, it's really fucking cool. And I love that.
1: Yeah, that is awesome. It's always great when an actor actually, like, has a good time and enjoys doing the thing. Like, you've heard all the horror stories from, uh, oh, I'm blanking on the actor's name, that that played Red Skull originally.
4: Oh, uh, Hugo
1: Weaving. Yeah, and just stuff like that. It's so unfortunate. And you can tell on screen, like, when a character is enjoying themselves, it creates a better character on screen. And that, that definitely happened, I think, with Mysterio and definitely with the red skull hugo weaving you can see it happening the other way there mm. you know
4: oh look look at look at uh, jennifer lawrence in the x men films
1: yeah the perfect example <laughs> that is a good example
4: let's talk about like where this franchise could go down the road uh there were different outlets that have talked to director John Watts and they've even talked to Kevin Feige about what's in store for the third Spider-Man movie uh, this comes from Dark Horizons talking with dot movie.com uh, Watts discussed the first of the credit sequence the mid credit scene which starts out like a little fun uh, what's this Sojourn how do you pronounce it? S-O-J-O-U-R-N what's that word Jake? oh man that's sojourn I, sojourn is that like a knockoff di Giorno's pizza sojournos sojourno <laughs> if it's not delivery it's sojourno
1: <laughs> i mean quite possibly
4: <laughs> anyway it starts like uh, hold on i gotta look this fucking word up hold on sojourn do you know what that is stephanie you're smarter than us
6: I don't. I'm thinking it maybe is it is it a, is it a man? I'm thinking maybe it's like the male version of like a Sigourney like Sigourney Weaver maybe. That's what I'm, that's why. What? I said right what are you talking about? Sojourn how, how do you spell it again?
4: S. Sojourn meeting. So, is a temporary stay. a
1: Temporary stay. Yeah. A
4: temporary...
6: Oh, I thought it was somebody's name.
4: Oh, or sorry. or Sigourney Weaver with a dick. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> I I don't
0: know what the name.
1: That's not one of the synonyms I'm seeing. But yeah. yeah.
5: <laughs> 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 um. Um. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Uh, the mid credits scene, which starts out like a fun little sojourn, then incorporates a great surprise cameo of J.K. Simmons as Joe Jana Joe Jana Joe Joan, J Jonah Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a tongue twister. Oh, I got—I can't stop laughing. Uh, J Jonah Jameson running the Daily Bugle dot net and ending on a cliffhanger, Mysterio revealing Peter Parker's identity in a video. Watts says with that having happened? he now has to go back to all the MCU films featuring Spider-Man again and research it before he figures out how to approach the next film. Quote, you'll get to see Peter reveal his identity to the world in Civil War. I'm going to have to do that homework too now. I've sort of painted myself in the corner. Uh, I got to go back to the archive. Watts also confirmed Simmons' scenes. Were the last thing they shot in order to avoid spoilers from leaking online. No test audiences got to see it in uh, got to see it in advance. The first glimpse was shown to press in London only a few weeks ago. Uh, Watts was also asked by Cinema Blend about the use of other members of Spider-Man's rogues gallery in future films. The two films so far have deliberately avoided use of bad guys who were previously adapted for the screen in the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield films. And Watts says the plan is to continue on that path. Quote, you'll always start by trying to show people something they haven't seen before. Unless you really have a good reason. I think to bring back someone we've seen before. Spider-Man has such a great rogues gallery that there's a lot still, I think, to draw from. I mean, we also put Cyclone, Molten Man, and Hydro Man in this movie in a very roundabout way. Technically, you could say Mexico's villain was like Sandman. But yeah, it's always about trying to find something new and just trying to push the envelope there. But I don't know. I don't know who it could be next. Jake, wow. D-
1: Geez, I want to buy this guy's magazine now, too. Um, can we get this guy on the Batman franchise?
4: <laughs> yeah, because all we get is, like, the same villains that we've seen in every other movie, right?
1: Yeah, wow. That I, I love these quotes. That's fantastic. I, You know, as much as, you know, I, it'd be interesting to see what they would do with Osborn in this world, you know, as much as it would be interesting to see, you know. Doctor Octopus again and that kind of thing. I, I do kind of applaud the idea of exploring all the different avenues that you can explore because there's it, so many of them.
4: Is it going to be Craven? Like now that oh, his I, I d- hope so. Now that his identity's out there, could we get Craven's last hunt? A guy that finally
1: knows who Spider Man is now and where to find him. Yeah, I don't think it's too far fetched for Craven um, to work in league with who are kind of being positioned to be the main villains of Parker too, like the, uh, the Tony Stark crew, you know, he's, mm. Craven seems like the perfect type of guy for them to either straight up hire or just, you know, plant the breadcrumbs to make this altercation happen.
5: Mm. Mm-hmm.
4: I like that. Feige also spoke with the, with the outlet and backs up Watts assessment. He says, it just depends on, is it the story is the story? Right. Is that the right time? Is there the right angle to do it again in a way that feels fresh and doesn't feel like, oh, here it is again? Because Spidey, as you know, better than anyone, has a great roster of villains, a great number of them, with Mysterio and Vulture being two of the best that hadn't been brought to the screen before. I think it all depends on what the story is. It all depends on what the, what the angle is. So, okay, we've got... A quote from John Watts saying that, you know, like, uh, they, I, I, you know, like, why revisit the other villains? We're always going to bring something new. And then we've got Feige talking about uh, two of the best villains that hadn't been brought to the screen before. If you take those two quotes and you put them together, I think it spells out Craven. Craven's last hunt is my favorite Spider-Man story, Jake.
1: Yeah, I don't blame you. It's it's definitely one of the best.
4: So I think we might be looking at Craven. Um, they also go on to say in this article, notable Spider-Man baddies like Craven, the Hunter, Scorpion, Chameleon, Spider Slayer, and Tombstone have yet to make an appearance on film. Feige also spoke about the online talk about Avengers Tower, uh, as we know from Homecoming, Stark's Avengers Tower. Has been sold off, and that has led to much speculation that Norman Osborn's Oscorp is the new owner. In uh, Far From Home, we get a glimpse glimpse of the building as it undergoes construction. And Feige laughed when ComicBook.com asked him who is in charge there. I didn't see a sign there yet. I don't think they put the sign up. I always think the speculation fuels it. Whether it whether that speculation is correct. As it sometimes is, or if the speculation is wrong, as it often is. How awesome is it seeing him swing around at the end of that movie, and with the web wings glide through a under construction version of Avengers Tower? Jake, it is the goddamn Baxter Building under construction. I don't, you know, I, I am I am convinced that it's the Baxter Building, and and I, I feel like uh, it is a it's a very cryptic thing that you see in the movie and uh it one two three and a question mark and uh you know that saying of like um what was it you're gonna love or what we see next or whatever the fuck i don't know it what what was that saying that was in there it was uh we are excited to show you what comes next
1: yeah i i i I can't even argue with you if i wanted to um yeah, I, these quotes kind of gave me more reason why I think bringing Osborne into this universe isn't the best idea, right? It, it just comes with so much baggage. It's not like you could just introduce the character as this one-off Spider-Man villain and then kill it off. Like it, mm. it has so many like possible like influences to Marvel Universe storylines, if you do that, that fans might expect. So it's almost, if you're not going to do those type of things, they're smart to not do it at all. You know,
4: I, I, yeah, I, I agree with you, and I think it kind of goes back to like what Stephanie was saying: is like, how long is Tom Holland going to be playing this role? Because like, if Tom Holland's going to be playing this role well into his thirties, we could get. I mean, they could wait quite a while before we could introduce Oscorp, Norman Osborn, or any of the or Harry Osborn for that matter.
1: Yeah, I completely agree, and I think that's the way to go about it. I mean. Because anymore when I think Norman Osborn, in the, you know, I think about more of the current things I've read him doing in the MCU, or at least in the comic books, you know, and that's almost not even really Spider-Man storylines. And, and you know, it's they kind of made him a main like Avengers bad guy player for a while. He was leading his own Avengers team, mm-hmm. you know, it, 10 years ago, you know, the Dark Avengers. So it's, he's just such a main player as far as the scope of MCU and the comics that I don't see them using him as that anytime soon in the movies. And that also being a big part of why they would avoid all of a sudden. That's the Oscorp building. Like, the Fantastic Four thing makes sense because we damn well know they are going to be huge players in the MCU in the next 10 years or less. So, yeah, like, that makes sense. But, you know, I don't think they're going to tease that being Osborne and then kind of have that, you know, preconception of what's going to happen looming over them.
0: Will, oh,
4: God, here's the thing that they're going to be missing out on, though, is the fact that, like, once they introduce a new Johnny Storm, Human Torch, Chris Evans is not in this world anymore, as far as we know. We might even be watching a Captain America funeral in a future film, a la Peggy Carter's funeral that we saw. You know what I mean? Like, we, I think that... I buy it. Yeah. Part of me, like... Is it cheap? Is it a cheap joke to have, like, a Chris Evans, I was a human torch joke, and here's our new human torch? Like, I don't think it's cheap. I think it'd be kind of funny in some way to have old man Cap say something about Johnny Storm in some way or another.
1: No, I don't. I like it. I wouldn't. I mean, there's ways that you could do that that would be cringy, but I, I think you could write a tasteful joke. That would be a great nod there. Stephanie.
6: I agree 100. I, I I prefer to see that I think if I don't see that I would be disappointed.
4: Yeah, it's perfect. He was fucking human torch. Yeah. He, he was. was the human torch one time. Oh my gosh. Those uh those moved. Oh my gosh. Who was uh who is Dr. Doom? Who is the who is the actor that played Dr. Doom? The guy from in the, the Trank movies? In the no, no, that was in the Tuck, old that, one. The guy was, from Nip Tuck. The guy from Nip Tuck, but it was yeah. it was it was Toby Kebble
1: who played Doom in the Trank movie. Who was the guy from Nip Tuck? I thought he I was. Forget the actor from Nip Tuck's name. I thought he was uh, inspired casting. Yes, it was bad screenplay.
4: Right. Who would you like to see as
1: Doctor Doom in the MCU? Oh man, I don't know. I, surprisingly, I haven't put a ton of thought into that. He's, you know, he's one of my favorite villains. It would definitely, I would want it to be kind of a commanding actor Mm -hmm. on the screen already, you know, someone established. Before. Did
6: John Hamm do it or is that a really bad suggestion?
4: Oh god, I love that. Holy fuck. I kind of love that, Stephanie. I was gonna, (laughs) I do, I kind of love that. I was gonna say, uh, Brian Cranston but I'm like now that you said John Ham I I kind of like that because Dr Doom is a really
1: good looking
4: guy you know and yeah
1: John yeah. Ham's definitely inspired casting for doom I, I could see that holy
4: shit I like
1: that I really <laughs> like that he seems super game and ready to be involved in something like that too
4: oh my yeah. god I, I I don't think anybody could tell me anybody different now than John Ham being Dr Doom.
6: I'd like to see
4: him do it. I really like that. Brian. Yeah, that's. Uh, Brian Cranston. What am I thinking? That's terrible. I mean, I love
1: <laughs> Brian Cranston, but I, I feel like you're casting the character a little old. I, no. I, I do like John Hamm better in that aspect. I would rather see Cranston as
4: Norman Osborne than see him as.
1: You know, Dr. I was thinking Dad. more about the Green Goblin Norman Osborne stuff, and honestly, if things like. Venom two and Morbius make money. The mm-hmm. next place you're going to see Norman Osborn is in a solo Green Goblin
4: movie. uh, uh to to lead up to uh, Sinister Six, or
1: Don't. just to make money, or just I to mean, make money, you know, yeah, <laughs> just to make the green goblin movie i mean if the joker movie makes money if venom 2 makes money if morbius makes money like how are they not gonna add one plus one equals we're gonna have our norman osborne solo green goblin movie
4: i can't stop thinking about john Hamm as dr doom (laughs) (laughs) that is brilliant
1: yeah that's great um you know i casting reed has a lot to do with who I want is doom as well right you yeah. know like I, I do want those two characters to have that you know connection with each other I, I think they've kind of missed the boat in previous fantastic oh, movies like they, they gotta
4: get they gotta get John Krasinski correct in yeah, my yeah. In, I, I wow. love yeah that's like he was rumored as the character at one time I I feel like John Krasinski is kind of like made for that role I, I can totally see John Krasinski you know, uh, in that role of uh, Reed Richards.
1: Totally, they should yeah, shoot Fantastic Four like The Office, so Reed can give us those crazy nod wink looks at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: guys, that's all I got. That uh, fan, uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home. I give it a high taste. It really enjoyed the movie. I thought they did a fantastic job. Not a perfect film, but man, I ha- I had a damn good time. Uh, watching it uh, i had a few good laughs but not the funniest marvel movie i'm not saying that marvel movies need to be funny that it's that it's like that's the only thing that makes a marvel movie is the humor but um i did enjoy this movie and i think that uh, these are two of the best um, post-credit scenes i've seen in the in the mcu i thought they were both fantastic
1: yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't like the movie as much as you did, but, I mean, I didn't hate it. I was just... Just Mysterio is one of my favorite villains ever. Spider-Man's arguably my favorite comic book character of all time. I just... For some reason, the formula's just not quite working at 100% for me yet. But I do co-sign that this was a return to form for post-credit sequences. So, I guess I gotta stop harping about how much I hate, hate on those for a couple <laughs> <of>
4: movies. <laughs> Stephanie, was... How did you find the humor in Spider-Man: Far From Home?
6: The humor landed for me better than it has in past Marvel movies. So really? Marvel movies, yeah. They it it's never it never lands the way I think they intend it to land. At least for me, like I I, I almost never I didn't laugh in almost any of the of the comedy in like the in the Guardians of the Galaxy two. Like a lot of it just doesn't land for me in Marvel movies. And wow. So, yeah, but this it landed more often than not in this movie. So, um,
4: who was I, it? Yeah. Was it any character in particular? Was it like, was it Zendaya? Was it Peter? Was it JB Smoove? Was it uh, Martin star as Mr. Harrington?
6: I think I like the, the humor that, um, they gave to Peter and then the humor that they gave to Ned and then the, um, the flash.
5: Okay. Okay.
6: Yeah. So, and JB Smoove, I love
4: him in Eddie. Oh so, yeah. God, he's so <laughs> fucking good. I loved it. Like, like uh, uh, when you, what did he say? What was it? When they showed up to the hotel in Venice, he's like, "When in Rome, do as the Romans do. When in Venice, get your socks get wet." I was yeah, like, sock-
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> I laughed my ass off at that. Like, it's just just subtle shit that he would say it was really fun when he's talking to. Fucking uh, Brad about like taking pictures of people in the restroom. I was—he's like, dude, you you can't do that stuff. I was like, oh my (laughs) god, (laughs) he he, he fucking killed me in this movie. I think they should have used JB Smooth a lot more in this movie. He was really hundred percent. Yeah, and I, I honestly, Jake, I love Zendaya's character in this movie. I thought she was really funny, and it was nice to see her sober because i've been watching her in hbo and she's been like on drugs through that
1: entire (laughs) series (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I I love it too, man. I I think they've really made this character really dynamic and interesting. I love that they avoided the trope of how much Spider Man's girlfriend loves swinging around on the webs. Yeah, and doing that with yeah. him. Yeah, like that, and that so fits that character. And you know, it fits that character because they've done such a great job of defining that character for who mm. she is. And yeah, I fantastic. Definitely one of the brightest spots of both the Spider-Man movies is Zendaya's uh, MJ portrayal.
4: If you've listened to this show before, I pretty much think every episode is terrible. I actually think that this is a good episode that we did, Jake, and I even feel ashamed saying that out loud.
1: Yeah, man, we need to end this episode now. Yeah.
4: (laughs) Yeah, that shit needs... Before
1: we fuck it all up. Exactly.
4: I have had a fantastic time I've had an amazing time. Amazing. I've
1: had a spectacular time. (laughs) (laughs) Stephanie's had a sensational
6: time. I have had a sensational time.
4: (laughs) I've had a web of time.
5: (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. we should make this an annual event
4: <laughs> I have had a great time talking with everybody tonight fin- Stephanie you've been fantastic thank you so much for joining us
6: thank you for having me Absolutely. thank you
4: Stephanie yeah. any final thoughts on uh, Spider-Man Far From Home any final thoughts like, Is there something that you wanted to say about this movie that I didn't present to you? And you're like, I didn't get that thought out there. I wanted to say this.
1: Uh, I'm glad they didn't smack me over the head with the 70s Spider-Man theme again. Uh, congrats on that. A little overused, I thought, in the last decade in Spider-Man movies. They so. did
4: show Aunt May with, ba- with bell bottoms on. <laughs>
1: She did not sing the song, no, and the music did not, like... It wasn't like the trailer for the movie where it was just, like, an obnoxious 70s Spider-Man overture.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Stephanie, any final thoughts on Spider-Man? I don't care. It doesn't have to be grandiose. Just any final thoughts?
6: Um, no, no final thoughts. I Um...
4: I think me and this you. Is,
6: what is this is a, one of the. This is I love the supporting cast movie. I thought, I thought yeah. the casting was always really good in the last two Spider Man movies, and I thought with the additions that with the people that they added, I think it only it only enhanced the experience for me.
4: Do you want a Dimitri Disney Plus series?
6: No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I do. I did do. not think we were going back to that well. <laughs> I,
4: <laughs> I just want, I just want a Disney Plus series of Dimitri taking different schools on tours throughout Europe. <laughs> and oh my gosh, I want to visit the Netherlands now. It is the, it is the nicest country in the world according to the <laughs> Spider-Man universe. I, I really got a kick out of the Netherlands scene in yeah, this movie.
6: Those were funny, actually. Those
4: scenes, the market was there. Yeah. The tulip field and all that stuff was just (laughs) fantastic. So, all right, guys. Stephanie, again, thank you. Finn, thank you for joining us on this episode. Guys, just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for listening. Thank you for your patronage. We'll see you next week with episode 292. See ya. Later, y'all. They're all pretty sad and lonely.
0: One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp brad. But it's overdone before and we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool
1: it, it's, a it's, it's a trap.
0: Good to toss it, good to taste it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware parties. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, cover culture, bushover, pop culture. Leftovers, and with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said? Leftovers, pretty sure, that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture, Leftovers. That original and good Have already been done before So we should Separate the wheat from the chaff And live the chaff The crap Even though it is shit Woo! We're the leftovers Picking up the scraps Dropped by the poor kids it, it, It's a trap Toxicity, do we love it? Hey, let's face it. We need to race it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over. Time culture pushed over. Pop culture
5: leftovers.
0: Uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure only talent is the band that's singing this.
5: Pop culture leftovers. Mama, mama,
0: Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture push over. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. the only talent.
5: It's the band that's singing this. Pop culture
0: leftovers.